Welcome to episode 28 of the Winning Six podcast, official podcast of BehindBookPass.com. I'm your host, site's editor-in-chief, Adam McGee, and joining me this week we have Jordan Tresky, and we have our new managing editor at the site. Unfortunately, not that new of a voice, you're still stuck with Ty Windish. Lovely. <laughs> still here, I'm sorry, we couldn't find anyone else, but Ty will do. This time last week, if you, if you could see Ty's little face right now, it's it's worth it, trust me. But this time last week, the books were 1-3, and three, and things were pretty grim. The first win had come through to lighten the mood just a little bit, but it wasn't a particularly fun time. Um, we said that the schedule looked favourable to the books, it gave them a real chance to take advantage of it, and thankfully, although not completely convincingly they did exactly that so books are now four and three above 500 exactly where they want to be and sort of coming up on the horizon they have a couple of opportunities for some more wins so they've got a chance to build up some momentum early on allow them to kick on from there what we're going to do and this is something that we We'll look at probably on a near monthly basis. Um, we spent good chunks of the off-season. We broke down position by position in great detail. Now seems like a good time to revisit that, have a look at the rotations, exactly who's getting what minutes, who should maybe be getting a little bit less or who should be getting more, and basically just judge how the books as individuals are performing and how that affects them as a team. What position do you want to start off at, guys? Let's go guards. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. So <laughs> One through five. Let's start off with guards, and point guard is going to take a while. The most <laughs> fun one. Interesting tidbit, just because I've I've pulled it up, just to make sure I say I don't forget Miles Plumley or anything, but I have the ESPN depth chart in front of me right now. Oh, boy. They have realigned some positions for the books. One of our four books point guards is no longer a point guard, according to ESPN. They put Vasquez as a shooting guard? No. Bayless. They put Bayless as a shooting guard. That's stupid, because when they play together, Bayless is obviously the point guard. They're drinking the, the Bayless three-point shooting Kool-Aid. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're all in on that. That's ESPN's... That's their trouble. But anyway, to go through the four guys, we'll start off... Let's start off with Bayless. Bayless has had an interesting start to the season. I'm going to say nice things about him, first of all. Never before heard on the podcast. This, um, isn't, exclusive. 
<laughs> this is new. Um, Bayless has been sort of good. Ooh, ringing endorsement. <laughs> I can't go much further. He has been sort of good. I mean, the books have needed someone to step up. Vasquez hasn't been shooting the ball. At all. Well, he has yeah. been. He hasn't been yeah, making He has been shooting the ball. Vasquez, I, I don't know. We'll get to that. I, I can't think of a way to finish that sentence. Hasn't been pretty. Um, Bayless has sort of stepped up into the void that would have been left by, by Michael Carter Williams. The best way I'll put it, okay, Bayless is averaging 10.7 points a game, which seems pretty modest. You might remember Bayless has had, well, actually, he's had three pretty big games. So against the Wizards, he had 14 points. Against the Nets in Brooklyn, he had 26 points. And then most recently against the Nets on Saturday, he chipped in with 19 points and, of course, 10 assists. That begs the question of what has Bayless been doing otherwise, which hasn't been a lot. Um, you're looking at games where he's had four points, three turnovers, two points, three turnovers, um, five points, one turnover, five points, two turnovers. So at the moment, he is pretty much the picture of inconsistency. Saying that, the Bucks needed somebody to step up big get them through sort of a run of games that was favourable, and that has been Bayless so far. What do you take from Bayless' start? Is this something that impresses you? Is it something that worries you that the chances of Bayless seeing any sort of reduced minutes and maybe Ennis getting more run or something are gone now? What does Jared Bayless' above-average start mean for the books this season? I don't think it means that much, to be honest. I think it's it's a welcome sight to see. He's a very good shooter. I don't think anybody <clears throat> expected more than 40, 40% from the from the three-point line, and he's hitting 43%, I want to say. And he, I don't think he – I mean, his career with three-point percentage is not even that high. It's like 35. <clears throat> um, but uh, I think it's one of those things where he had a – like last year, he was really strong first half. He wasn't necessarily the like the lead kind of bench contributor last year, but this year so far he's definitely. And I don't know. I mean, you expected to fall off at some point, maybe due to injury. Obviously, he's been he played one game, forty-seven minutes. So <laughs> there's he's definitely his workload in. So. I guess once May you want to think like maybe once Mayo comes back, he's not going to be as forced to be in multiple guard lineups, but that can always change. So I don't know. It's definitely nice to see, but I don't. I have a really hard time thinking it's sustainable. I definitely don't. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it's supposed to be sustainable. I think that we saw Bayless for 48 minutes in that one game, and we're seeing Bayless try to do more because he's really the only player doing anything on that bench right now uh, with no O.J. Mayo, uh, barely any John Henson. It's pretty much him. Uh, J.O.B., who we've talked about, is a really great role player, but J.O.B.'s not going to score 20 points in a game. Maybe once a season. Maybe. Well, you never know. If he's going, well, he won't take enough shots. Well, you never know. I, I don't see him. JOB will do what JOB wants to do. If you define, wants to pass. If you dare JOB, 
Everyone said us, oh, JLB can't play basketball. Now look at him playing basketball. I mean, you tell JLB he can't score 20 points. I hope he scores 20 points. I love JLB. Don't get me wrong. But he, he won't take 10 shots, and he'd probably need 10 shots to score 20 points. Bayless? Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll go full James Harden. You don't know. Um no, but uh, like Bayless in the first quarter of the, I want to say the Nets game, I might be misremembering. The bench was out there for a while, and like the last half of the first quarter, and it was just terrible. Like no one scored. And Bayless was, you know, kind of passing. He's been doing less Bayless things, whereas last year you'd see him playing with the starters and just taking all these stupid mid range shots with like 19 seconds left on the shot clock. You could tell he was trying not to do that. And then no one else scored, and there was a point where you could see just Bayless kind of snap, and then he scored the last points of the first quarter, and then just went off from there. Like, I think he's finally been conditioned to be a real point guard, and then he hasn't been able to, because the bench has just not scored at all besides him so far. I sort of feel like he's exactly the same Jared Bayless as ever. He's just, the things that he sometimes does right, he's doing right at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I haven't seen anything different about his game. I think he's shot a little less. It feels like he has. Let's let's put that to the test. We can put it to the test, and if I'm wrong, I'll I'll, I'll take it. That's fine. Just he eye has test. no. He's taking 1.9 field goal attempts more. Let, well, okay. Let's you know. Let's be fair because he played some heavy minutes. Let me let me pull score 36. 36. Yeah. Okay. So. I have a feeling he's still going to be on more. I think, I think, I think if, he, if he's on more, it might just be because, like, I'm talking about. Like, he's starting okay, to so, a lot more in some of these games because no one else on the bench was. Mm-hmm. No, you know, you're right. For 36, he's taking less shots. Um, his career average is 12.4 field goal attempts per 36. He hasn't... He has never hit that mark with the books. He was well down that last year. But even last season, he was 10.8 field goal attempts down to 10.5 per 36 this year. So, essentially the same, but... Now, I, I would uh, expect by, by the same more. token, and this is this might be an important part of it, because we all... Well, I'll speak for myself. I really hated Jared Bayless' long two-pointers, but last year, he attempted 2.5 trees per 36. He's probably doubled that. No, he's he has more than doubled it. He's attempting five point two trees per turn. And if he's, I mean, if he's making, even if he's only making thirty five percent of threes, that's still a much more efficient shot for him. Right, right now he's at just under forty two. So I mean, that's not going to. I mean, if he did, if he could hang around thirty five, thirty six, and he's taking a decent amount of shots, I guess that'll work. And, like I said, I, I don't I don't think he'll take as many shots when Henson and Mayo are back. Like I think he knows though I mean those guys will get touches. I think if they're all playing together, you'll see Bayless's shots go down. But I mean when it's Bayless, Bayless Vasquez, who was been in a funk lately to put it lightly. Uh, insert backup small forward here, maybe Copeland, who knows? I don't let's see, I think what'll happen is it will be Bayless Vasquez Mayo. Even if it's that, Bayless, Vasquez, Mayo, J.O.B., Henson, if that's the bench unit, you're not seeing Bayless do as much because there's actual legitimate scorers there. 
JLB. Do you, yeah. do you also say yeah. last week that he he scores better with the more like on more volume of shots? He did. He did. Pretty much all his stats get it was minutes. The more oh, minutes, minutes right. plays, he gets better, like weirdly better by each ten minute thing. He's I just the main. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> Bayless is unexplainable. Everything that's logical in the universe. I mean, yeah. that's Jared Bayless. Yeah. Jared Bayless would probably is, be a starter if not for a lot of weird breaks. I wrote an article on this. He's the Stargate. <laughs> he, he started like 40 games or something for, uh, I want to say like the Raptors one year. Or maybe it was, some, maybe it was like the Pelicans. I don't know. He, no, he's, he's, never, high, he's never started more than 19 games. He was maybe high, it was the 19 game year. And like he did pretty well starting games that year. Like his starting numbers were good. And he just never started again. Like it just never, ever happened again. He was a high prospect. Like he's only—it's weird to he's think about. He's only twenty-six, isn't he? Yeah, that's what's crazy. He's twenty-six. Like he he's actually—Bayless could he, actually be part of the young core. He just looks old. And, like, Jordan's face when I said that—I mean, it, it just—it didn't move. There was no reaction. It was pure just. I mean, uh, even if he gets, even if he gets, I think every Bucks fan right just now. shuddered by you saying he's a part of the young core. I buy it. I actually do buy it. I might write about this. If you look at, if you look done? at, even if he, you know what it? Someone takes it a while, you know. <laughs> even if Bayless regresses to the mean from here and shoots like thirty-five percent and takes a bit less shots, that production for two million dollars a year in this NBA economy is fantastic. He's not. He's probably going to have to pay like five million a year at least on his next deal. That's still fantastic. Oh, I just. What I, is? I'm guy? not comfortable with that idea at all. That's I don't true. know if they resign him. I think somebody else signs him with all these point guards on the team. Some bad team will will sign him. I would think. I mean. I can see Bayless playing for a good team. I really could. He's always like that. The books. I mean, it's not gonna go. I don't think it will get much better from that. The the Grizzlies team that he was briefly, I suppose he was a season and a half there. I mean, that was a good team, and he was actually good there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I I could see him playing for the Warriors as their second point guard for half the money Sean Livingston will be making. I think they're similar money guys. Yeah, Sean Livingston's getting like seven million right now. Bayless could end up with that. I don't think he gets that. He might. If he shoots 40% this season, he will. Is it his contract year? Are we going to get Bayless contract year? It is Bayless contract year. Oh, that explains it. He's getting 8 mil, man. If Jeremy Lamb's getting 7 mil, Bayless is more. I'm not. This is not like who's more prudent or who's. Well, it kind of is. But I think if he has, if he has a good shooting season and doesn't drop off terribly like how he did last year, there's no way he gets less than eight. I mean, it's gonna be cra- It's gonna. I mean, this summer is gonna be. Would you rather pay? Out. So, if we're talking that money, would you rather pay Bayless than Jeremy Lamda? I'd have to see this season. We we hate on him around here, but he's very historically decent. He's not terrible historically. He does okay. I think I'd have to go Bayless too. I think I go Lamb, Justin, and I know that's. I know how Bucks fans feel about Lamb, but I mean, I just feel like there's a little bit more. Well, he's certainly younger. I mean, I don't think anyone likes him. 
But uh, well, maybe that's a bit. Yeah, that sounds harsh. I'm, I'm sure, like, if Hornets fans, fans need hope. Know, Hornets fans like them. I didn't Hornets mean, fans I didn't mean it to come out quite as extreme <laughs> as that. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Bad. I don't think there's any. I don't know of a whole swarm of people who are right He's on. He's been that. good. He's been good this season. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. I, I do. I think I'd probably. I still think he could possibly someday offer a little bit more than. I think he's around the same level. I think they're around the same level career arc wise. I think they're both backups. Then Bayless was really born like five years too, five years too early. If yeah. that's the sort of money he could get now, like straight off the bat. Um, uh, you got to you got to imagine he's gonna go get paid somewhere. Brooklyn. Sorry. I can I can see that I can see that this season. <laughs> I could that could be a trade. I don't know what they'd offer. It was actually to not be a oh, Mark Stein here, but there was a report that the Brooklyn Nets are already exploring trade talks. Nothing seriously, but it's already gotten to that point. Just how depressing that team is. Well, they they, <laughs> they need a point guard. I mean, everyone could tell them that going into the season. So I, 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 that's you why just I Shane Markham. Yeah. <laughs> There was probably like <laughs> days where they were in practice where Shane Arkin was like, "Hey Lionel, you know what we could do it a real point guard." No, I I, I don't want to repeat what I well I'll repeat what I said on Twitter after three quarters the other the other game the second game against the Bucks they only attempted three three pointers. Yeah, I saw. So that. I saw Bucks fans, that. if you're if you're complaining about the three point offense here. Let's let's just say it could be a lot worse. And they have Joe Johnson on the team who looks over the hill. He looks they only crazy. they only have NBA players at three positions. Like they literally have no NBA. All players. of those things will be the world's biggest positive this year if it wasn't for the fact that not only do the Celtics have their pick, but it's unprotected. I mean, just put some form of protection on the pick, just in case you are the worst team in the NBA. Just protect the pick. Protect it I, one to five. <laughs> Just whatever it is. Like, uh, I feel like Philly fans kind of have to look over at Boston sometimes and go, <laughs> like, wait, they did this without being terrible for a decade. Like, couldn't we have, like, maybe gotten a little less returns and not been the worst team, the joke of a team? Uh, for I, I don't know. The jury's still out on that because the Celtics haven't got anything yet. They, they have really so many assets. They get smart, though. They don't have as many assets as they had before the draft last they year. Have, the, net, the Nets pick will be bigger than any the of The Nets pick now will be, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. okay, Embiid didn't work, but, I mean, he's still there. Yeah, they got Okafor and have Sarich to come over. I mean, th- for as much as people make fun of this, the Sixers have got the pieces that sort of... I they've mean, they've got... got I, didn't even, I just forgot Nerland's Noel there. I mean, yeah. now, they, when you look back, the Pelicans. The Pelicans are like, yeah. Talk about ways that they could have made Anthony Davis happy and where they really could have become a good team. Oh no, instead, what we'll do is we'll trade Nerlens Noel for a Drew Holiday. Wow, Anthony Davis. This is so off topic, but Anthony Davis, Nerlens Noel front court is terrifying. Good luck scoring any points ever. <sighs> Like you're gonna have to shoot threes because you're not getting anything inside on that team. 
That, that's just... The Pelicans are really stupid. My favorite Nets thing is that they traded the Damian Lillard pick to get, uh, what was it, Gerald Wallace or Gerald Henderson? Gerald Which one Wallace. Gerald Wallace. They traded the yeah. Lillard pick for that. I mean, even if they made all their other terrible moves, I mean, if you have Lillard and Brooke Lopez, you might sniff the playoffs in the East. You probably do. No, I think they, like, I mean, the pick that's gone this year was obviously for Pierce or Garnett. And Terry. Don't forget about Jason Terry. So, like, that, that's worse to me because the Lillard thing, I mean, Lillard was a bit of it. Like, the, the Trailblazers struck out a little bit on that. I mean, you could have had that pick and legitimately picked someone else and there wouldn't have been uproar at the time. But it's they, they could act. They probably will end up with the number one overall in Boston. Oh, I think they're – I mean, the Lakers beat them. That's all you really need to say. The Lakers beat your team. Your team's really bad. Lakers have three wins now. No way. No, it's only one. They have one win. Really? They have one. Yeah. They got beat up by the Timberwolves. Yeah. Like, badly. No, they're, they're like one in six. They're, they're bad. Okay. When I said three wins, what I meant was they are third from the bottom in the West. I knew there was something, <laughs> I there was something to do with three in there. Uh, yeah, the other two teams that the, the who who's below them? The oh, Kings you, and the you, you know the team below the Kings them. and the Pelicans. That's the, yeah. Those teams haven't played the Nets yet. Oh god, I Pelicans. feel bad. Shame market. That's from New York. I like to have, like the Why worst season in New York. For Shane I mean, uh, <laughs> well, he's I don't know. He's okay. Guy, <laughs> if, like, yeah, but if they had done their job, he wouldn't even be there, probably, sir. So. Yeah, we should just, probably talk about like, just a little sidetrack. Yeah, so the books do have four point guards. Um, believe it or not, I know. Um, it's better many, than five. Uh, we don't have to talk about Jorge Gutierrez right now, not yet. <laughs> Back later in the He's, season for more Jorge Gutierrez talk, um, yeah. but Grievous Vasquez. The way to start this is probably to go through his shooting numbers. Prepare you yourself. Count zero is yeah, I, b- before you go further, I have. I'm gonna start with free oh, throw shooting. I'm gonna I'm gonna give free throw shooting. Then we'll take a break where Jordan can tell us his thought, and then we'll go back to the rest of the numbers. Okay. This is this is the order presented by the proud future owner of a, a Grievous Vasquez jersey. Grievous <laughs> Vasquez jersey update. <laughs> For some reason, which may or may not be a sign. <laughs> Shipping has been delayed for another, nearly another two weeks for me. Um, they are giving me the option to get my money back, cancel my order. Let me know on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag Vasquez yes or Vasquez no. Vasquez no. Vasquez no. I'm gonna have to go Vasquez. Everybody no. is gonna. I can't, I can't promise that I will take. I can't promise that I'll take anybody's opinion into consideration. <laughs> Vasquez um, is the most hated buck right now, and it's not really that close. Well, we'll get to that because that's nearly nearly cursed there. But that's not particularly fair. He's the book's worst shooter right now. 
Except from oh, the free throw yeah. line where he's shooting 94.4%. Jordan, you had a thought for us. Yeah. And he also has an assist-to-turnover ratio of 2.92. Almost yeah. three assists per turnover. And five assists per game. I don't know how many minutes he has. Probably, I bet, like 25. 20, 25? Mm-hmm. It's not bad. He's the facilitator that we hoped... Vasquez would be is there. It's better than <laughs> the shooter is not there. That's what the Jordan. Problems. Jordan is out here doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Um, yeah, Vasquez has been really good as a distributor, but people yeah. are choosing to ignore that completely, which I understand because his shooting has been so catastrophically bad. Well, and it's they're ignoring that because they didn't bring him to be the distributor. Really, they brought him to be a bench scorer. I think they brought him to be a playmaker. Full stop. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I think it was they more... needed his passing. They also needed some shooting. The problem is that the books tried to sell everyone they brought this year as a shooter. So when that doesn't quite work out, it's the same reason why Copeland is sort of shooting average. But, I mean, that's when th- those guys, they could probably, if, if roles were reversed and Vasquez was turning the ball over a ton and he was shooting we'll say 46% for the field and 42% from three. Book sounds have probably gone, oh, Vasquez is playing really well, which isn't really oh, yeah. accurate. I mean... Plus two, I think... Or sorry, you go. No, go on, Jordan, go on. Plus two, I think... I know it's at this point, you know, he's shooting 14% for three. I mean, that's terrible. But if it was... Thir- even if it was like 30% or something like that, obviously that's better than where he is right now, but I think Flexer would still have a problem with that Especially on the clip that he's kind of he's known for shooting at. And no, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) And I not to kind of be really just like a a, our full glass of autism right here, but we went through Jared Dudley a month and a half of Jared Dudley, obviously due to injury. But I looked this up a month and a half. He was six for for thirty two from beyond the arc last year, ninety percent. And those the the Bucks that Bucks team was losing a lot of games. The Bucks are actually witty games, and they can withhold Vasquez's poor shooting. I think once his shooting comes around, I think a lot of people are going to appreciate what they got him for. So I don't know. That's my optimism right there. <laughs> the problem with Vasquez's shooting right now is that like he'll just keep doing it. Like he won't stop. Adam talked about this like when they first got him. Like he's going to take some of these shots. And I mean, you're watching the the 0 for 10 game he just had where shout out Jason Kidd is very merciful. There was a technical on the Nets and he gave it to Vasquez. Like here, get a point. Like you need to have a point if you're going to take. Uh, he's the, he's the team's best free throw shooter though. He is, but I just I just thought it was kind of funny. Just like you need to score. Here you go. To be honest, take, part take of that it. though as well, and I think this is part of Vasquez is going to shoot more because he's shooting bad, and I actually think Kidd will encourage him to do that because they know he's not going to shoot like this all season long. Like if he shoots like this all season long, something incredibly strange has happened. So there yeah. is probably part of it with the books. It's like, well, if you can shoot yourself out of a slump, give it a go. Now is the time we'd rather you do that than, than later in the season. And particularly when it's not like O.J. Mayo isn't there waiting to take his minutes. Michael Carter-Williams is injured. I mean, they need to play him. So if he's not shooting, let him figure it out now. Let him get his feel for everything. And then when it really matters, have him be a, a meaningful contributor as a shooter, as a scorer. 
Well, I think the, the competition matters, too. I mean, you leave him in if he's 0 for 10 against the Nets, because they're the Nets. He's still probably the best player on the floor for the Nets besides Brook Lopez anyway. Oh, I mean, he's the undisputed starter for the Nets if, if they have... Oh, he's yeah, obviously. We're not, we're not, there's no conversation about any. I take any four of the Bucks point guards over anyone on the Nets playing point guard. I'd rather start Tyler Ennis than Jared Jack. But anyway... I mean, long-term. You look at long-term matters, too. But oh, anyway. long, of course, long-term, yeah. Um, what was that about? But if, if you're playing, you know, Boston, Cleveland, and Vasquez comes out and is 0 for 4 on shots in, like, two possessions, it's like, they'll just give him the rebound right back. And he's like, oh, perfect, I'll just take another one. And they're just clunking off, like, the side of the rim. I bet he gets pulled. Especially if Ennis, Mr., I have not missed a three-pointer yet in my one attempt. <laughs> I mean, he's just been playing well. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kid yank him if it was a game that was more losable for the Bucks. Yeah, I guess that's that's true. If I if I sound distracted at any point or if I start to lose my optimism, I do have the Hawks game on just beside me at the moment, Bucks fans. I'm not gonna lie to you. And the Hawks are currently getting absolutely trucked by the Timberwolves. They're down by twenty points right now. Oh, so, That's because the Hawks have no star, Adam. Have you not heard? By the time, <laughs> by the time we're not, we are not going there. By the time you listen to this, they will have completed a great comeback. They will be our eight and one Atlanta Hawks. Um, it's, it'll be time for everyone to put on notice. But right now, it's Kent Bazemore against the Timberwolves. Um, Thanks for the update, Adam. Sorry about that. Um, I just it's my. There was just, yeah, okay, Bazemore just had a big dunk there. It really is. <laughs> Kent Bazemore against the Timberwolves. Bucks anyway, fans, Bucks fans are really Vasquez because Play-by-play highlights of this Hawks game that ended 24 hours before the podcast. Is, <laughs> like they're going to they're gonna rewind is, and like watch like, along with It's like with reliving you. history, Ty. I mean, they can, they can see how it happened live. Um, that's special. It's a moment in time. Maybe uh, Andrew Snyder will take your call of one of these Hawks plays and use it as the part of the intro for his next podcast. <laughs> if you give Andrew enough encouragement, I don't, I don't think a monster dunk by Baysmore, and that's how it starts. <laughs> Said the leprechaun clearly. Um, <laughs> to get back to Grievous Vasquez. He'll get better. I'm I'm not a Vasquez fan, but he's deaf. He's gonna the get free, better. I think the free throw shooting though is that's that's the case in point. He's so without making any shots, he's averaging six point seven points a game. With five assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be like not a million miles off a double double for a guy off the bench. And this is that's what I expected from the start of the year. I thought he could be a player who averaged maybe anywhere up towards fourteen points maybe sort of six and a half to seven assists, something that would get him in a conversation where if he was making big shots towards the end of games, he's a legitimate six-man of the year contender, and that's that's still completely in play. I mean, all it takes is two good games, the shooting numbers take a big jump, and everybody forgets about the slow start. I mean, 0 for 10 is about as bad as it gets, so that's going to cause some overreaction. The books don't have anything to overreact about right now. I wasn't calling for overreaction when they were 0-3. So don't overreact to Vasquez not making shots. I mean, I've seen smart people, genuinely smart people, tear Vasquez down. And the the one that killed me at the time, and it's going to, 
if he does struggle for any length of time, and I keep seeing this come up, this is what we gave up that first oh, round yeah. pick for. My, oh. I, thought it was, I thought it was a second round pick. First. It was a first round pick? It was who a got first round pick. pick. Who got taken? Did we know who got taken? Oh, it was the Toronto. it was the Clippers pick, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Like it was nothing. Everybody get over it because it was nothing. These are sort of things you do when you build I mean, a team. When he... first round picks are more than just assets, when you actually need to get players, that's what Vasquez is. He's a player. If he turns out bad, he turns out bad. Everyone needs to just get over it. I mean, if he shoots twenty percent from three, it's a, it was a bad trade. That first round pick gets you more heartless. It was a bad trade. If he starts, you don't need to. Mo Harkless went for nothing, so that's like, yeah, that's what I mean. You could have gotten at least Mo Harkless. That was that's on them. We all we all know if 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 I was GM, I wrote the piece. Mo Harkless would have been a book mid season. Um, that's really getting sidetracked. People who haven't been following us for quite a while are like, why are they talking about Mo Harkless now? <laughs> uh, but he is a personal favorite of pretty much all of ours uh, by the book pass. I, I just like his I like his name. One more thing about Vasquez, uh, another positive note. Um, he has looked very more or much more comfortable on defense, which was the biggest uh, kind of con against or negative against his game throughout the whole summer when we were talking about him. And the fact that they're kind of getting that out of him, even when his offense is going, like that can really distract a player. I know that's kind of just, you know, trying to search for something, but to, the fact that he's. Capable, more capable on defense because I mean at this time last week we were kind of searching for like well he looks okay like he did well double teaming Brooke Lopez or Jared Jack against the Mets last week but he has looked good he's got a couple steals and really initiated the offense I mean I don't know it's, it's your I shot is say, the it's the thing that can easily come and go and it, it'll naturally come. Don't just diss a, that double team, by the way, because that double that team, is, it's still... That I, is my, I Disney, that is my number saying, one highlight of the season, because they're the two yeah. guys who everyone's like, oh, they can't defend, they can't defend. Well, th- that's like the the one real piece of Bucks defense still, I feel, that we've seen this season. Yeah. I will say, uh, just going off what Jordan said, everyone's looked really engaged so far. Everyone has given on the court, and that's different than last year. Yeah. I don't know if Kidd has stepped up as a coach or if guys just realize how good this team can be more than last season. But, like, at times where last year, earlier last year mostly, you'd see, you know, Henson start to sort of, I don't want to say not pay attention or not exert effort, but you can tell when a guy's going 85 and then when a guy's going 100. Like, you can tell really easily. I haven't seen a guy go at less than 100 yet. Like, everyone's been fighting whenever they're out there. I think something that might have been, I guess, underestimated was with a young team, continuity is so important and stability. I mean, these are guys who haven't been around forever. So the start of last season, no matter what anyone thought about Larry Drew, I mean, to change a coach for young players, that's a big deal. That's when you take the guy who they know and have worked with and he's gone. That's a big deal. That's a big adjustment to make. That's something even the Pelicans might be seeing with Anthony Davis, the best young player in the NBA right now. And they've got Alvin Gentry, a really good coach, but as we all know, Anthony Davis got on really well with Monty Williams. Um, that's something that I think factors into that, though, and that's the same. The, the first sort of your gut reaction always when a player gets a contract is, well, 
Is he going to get a little bit complacent? Will he drop off? Well, for some guys, it can go the other way because that security makes them feel more confident, they're more comfortable in themselves, and they go out and play their more natural game. And with Henson in particular, I think that could definitely be the case. Um, Middleton, I think the jury's out on that, but I don't think Middleton gets phased by anything. I think it's like, give him a contract, don't give him a contract, he's still going to go out and be if, if he wasn't, If he wasn't an NBA player, he should have gone into professional poker. <laughs> like it's hard to tell what Chris Middleton's thinking. He just hits you with that blank stare, and you're just like, like, are you not even thinking about basketball right now? Like, well, yeah, well, uh, I could, well, I could well, go Chris, for a chalupa. Well, like, Chris Middleton reminds thinking. me of, and this might resonate with absolutely none of our listeners, but oh, is this going to be an Irish thing? No, it's it's a soccer reference. Oh, it's a soccer thing. Okay. He reminds me of Paul Scholes. I got Jordan's gonna pretend to know who that is. I don't know. I don't know who that is. See, I, mean, I called Jordan's move and he had to switch at the end. He was gonna be like, oh, oh. Gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah skulls. 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 yeah, skulls. This is this is deeply upsetting for me, but um if you could tweet at us with hashtag skulls yes or hashtag skulls no. <laughs> You're all in on that hashtag. It's easy to do a hashtag for a Yeah, I don't know what this is. That's S-C-H-O-L-E-S, if you don't know. You're going to get a million different spellings of that. Ty, we're not going to get a million different tweets, so no need to worry. Ever since I did my Jurassic Park thing, you've been all in on the hashtags. And someday people will latch on. Someday. I got like three or four tweets, which was a lot, I thought. That was a lot. That was. Uh, for Jurassic Park related, I mean, that was that was like a three-hour podcast that people got to the end for, so that was impressive. LeBron finds a way. <laughs> what are the chances that uh, like a week or, or maybe even right before the deadline, two of these sort of premier, I guess using the word loosely, premier backup point guards in Bayless and Vasquez, what are the chances one of them gets dealt at the deadline, and why are they 100%? Well, the Timberwolves are up by 30, <laughs> with 30 seconds left in the first half. They have 70 points. In the oh, oh I, thought, I thought you said first quarter for a second. I was no, say. that would really be impressive. That would be stop the podcast moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would, no, that would be turn the podcast into just a live feed of us watching that. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we could still do that, but... Just I'm preparing everyone. I'm preparing everyone for for second half history. Um, it's yeah, it's now 32. Anyway, I don't think either of those players are going to get dealt at the deadline. Uh, I think Ennis. I think Ennis is showing he deserves minutes, and uh, there's no room for him with both of those guys. And what, he, there's there. no need to give him those minutes this year, really. I mean, I think they'll give him more minutes. You say there's no room. I think they like him enough, and they will rotate the backup point guards around enough to give guys like that minutes. I just I don't buy into, and I know it's part of it is historically. Yeah, history does suggest that John Hammond will make a trade if there is a trade to be made. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to do it this year, and that's just something really big that can. Well, transform. I think there's there's two clear needs on this team. They could use a, a good backup uh, fifth big man. So like not fifth behind each position, like behind two power forwards and behind two centers, like a guy who can play both. I mean, how how good do you want the fifth big man to be? A little worse than J.O.B. You're, and you're basically saying you want someone better than Copeland. 
I'm Plumlee. Or, or Plumlee, yeah. Those guys get minutes. A third big man would help a lot. JOB has come up in the world. Let's not talk about them yet, though, because we will get to... Yeah, but I'm just talking about needs, why I think there's going to be a point guard trade. And I think the other need is they could use an actual backup three if they're not really going to play. Am I forgetting a backup three? No, it's just they have so many... It's that they have so many guards that they're going to have to play small. Mm -hmm. I think Mayo is a three on this roster. Yeah, I don't like that at all. We might not see him play the two at all. Yeah, I, I think that's just terrible. But the, it, anyway, that's that's a little tangent. But I just think they have, like, too many point guards. Like, they have four guys. Well, they have three guys who could all be a backup point guard and not not suffer too terrible. I mean, you wouldn't want Ennis to be the only one. But I think Ennis and one of those guys would be a fine guard rotation, especially if they keep Mayo. And they definitely have needs as a fifth big guy and a, a real small forward backup if they're not going to play English, which I think they should. Yeah, I think the thing I wrote about this in my player power rankings piece today, which if you haven't read it, go check it out and disagree with me. Um, but I wrote about this about Ingles and Vaughn. There's one of sort of two with reasons it's happening, but Kid either feels it's just part of a rookie's learning experience to sit on the bench and just sort of soak NBA life in and wait your turn and realize nothing comes easy. Ari just doesn't trust those guys yet. And to be honest, I think Vaughn has Vaughn has earned his trust in every opportunity he's got. So I don't know if that's so much the case. I just don't think we're going to get to see much of those guys this year. Vaughn, Vaughn will get two minutes, and he always ends up with a bucket somehow. Like he'll, he'll make. He'll it always happen. do something good. I mean, he just he brings mm-hmm. energy. He's he's looked pretty good, but we'll get to him. Yeah. That's quickly because I mean the two main point guards we're talking about this week were probably Vasquez. Yeah. Tyler Ennis. Not done developing, but it looks pretty surprisingly good. Better than last year. I think he's yeah. similar with his opportunities to last year. Like, I mean... His shooting's been way better. It's been more limited, but way better. That, that one for one? <laughs> he's taken more than one. I mean, from everywhere. He's taken more than one field goal, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's taking more than one field goal. He had a nice uh, uh, strip against... I had a Bajir Jack. He's 6 for 15. That's better than that's, last year, but really, that's really not good. so good. That's, that's what, 40%? Yeah, that's... Just... 40%'s good. It's kind of average. It's, last I, year was I like 29%. It was 35, but he was 42.9 in Phoenix. So, I mean... He had less time in Phoenix. If you can't shoot above 43%, good doesn't come into the conversation. He's doing, I mean, I don't know. I, he's doing his job. I, I don't think you... Do you really want to, to see Tyler Ennis make like 45% of shots and say like eight shots? kind of just want him to be like, again, like the facilitator. He hasn't really... He's he's done enough to like be solid, but he hasn't done enough to say like, oh, this keep let's kind of increase his workload. He's looked nice though. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. fair. I don't I don't yeah. think he's like you don't watch him and go he needs a lot more minutes, but yeah. you watch him and go oh well in those fifteen minutes I did like him. He yeah. hasn't really done anything noteworthy at all. I mean, he he's sort of played solid. the part. Yeah, yeah he's I I think he's played solid defense, which that's the part to me. I think he's 
unfortunate as some of the others, particularly Vasquez, because his defense has been better, as Jordan mentioned. But some of those units have been so bad that their defensive ratings don't do them any justice at all. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think he's unfortunate in that sort of same category. But he's shown some sort of improved, I guess, defensive intelligence. Um, I, I'd like to see him continue to get run. Um, I just, there's, there is quite a swell of energy from Bucks fans around Bayless, and it's way, way too premature still. That's, that's how you know they're going to trade him. That's how you're 100% certain. I mean, what do you even get for Tyler Ennis? No, I, th- I thought you said Bayless. Bayless. Did I say Bayless? Yeah, you said Bayless. Yeah. I meant Ennis. So, oh, sorry. No, they're not, not going to trade Ennis. Ennis is 21. They're going to keep Ennis. No, I don't. I don't think Ennis. Oh, it's John Hammond. Anyone could get traded, but I, I don't see Ennis getting traded. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I don't think there's a trade. They've got to make one of this, this this line this uh this uh, I can I keep pulling up the wrong word this depth chart I just don't like the way it shakes out. I think if if there was to be one point guard to be traded. No. Yes, Jordan. Yes. No. I don't know. I, I, I think I think if because I think it takes something drastic for them to trade a point guard. I think it'll be Michael Carter Williams. Because because I think it would have to be a deal that would get them a point guard that was a significant upgrade, and no team is going to do that deal without at least getting Michael Carter-Williams back in return so that they have something to hang their hat on, which is basically what the Bucks did when they traded Brandon Knight away. So, I mean, the Bucks uh... could yet find themselves on the reverse side of that trade. Now, Ty, I know what you're going to say. and No, I'm actually not. I'm going somewhere completely different. Okay. Someone on Reddit, someone on Reddit I was reading just today was his, he had this funny little post on like the the NBA part where it was like him trying to save the Nets by being their GM. So basically just writing down a bunch of stuff he probably did in my GM mode. But uh, there was he was really trying to trade Thaddeus Young to the Bucks. I don't He's, like that at all. Me neither. I I don't love it, but I mean it like, makes what, what, a little bit of sense. Where did the Bucks put Thaddeus Young? Back up forward. Back up forward. He's on like eleven million a year, isn't he? Honestly. Yeah, that's, that's that's not a new deal. Yeah, if he, I mean, if he wasn't just on a new deal, I mean, I'm, this is not this is someone else's idea. I read. Come on, Ty. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you say if you're saying a team that really needs guards is Brooklyn, and the Bucks could put together MCW and Mayo, and that's uh, Dad's salary right there. It's a doable trade. I mean, they suddenly have a starting front court, and they can play Rondé Hollis Jefferson at the four, and then they at least have like five somewhat NBA players. I don't know why the Bucks would really do it, but then <laughs> I mean, he's overpriced, but Thad Young is a bad. Wasn't that Nets fan there about this? <laughs> I don't know. Boy. I probably it's probably some username I couldn't say on the podcast, but no, it was Mikhail Prokhorov. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, if they if, if the salaries weren't that much of a problem, like Thaddeus Young as a backup forward would be really good, actually. Like he's overqualified for that. Oh yeah, of course, but that's why it's like completely a non-runner. I mean, yeah. it would be nice, but I don't see how it happens. What team has a lot of point guards right now? Good point guards that 
you might actually want one. Atlanta. This seems to be the most popular. I've been, I've been kind of writing that trade. I just think it's just it's well, going to come to head very soon. Yeah, it's the uh, shooters being pesky right now. He's not at all. I mean, this is maybe mm-hmm. I've maybe this is where I step in because I have more yeah. more insight into it maybe. But this was actually it was translated by a German Hawks fan on on the Hawks Reddit the other day, a recent interview he did with German TV, where he basically went off on the interviewer for suggesting that he has ever suggested anything remotely close to wanting the trade. He says he has no intention of ever leaving Atlanta. He likes learning behind Teague. He's happy. Well, this wasn't seemingly, and this is, uh, of course, I'm having to take the word of the the anonymous Reddit user who translated this, but this wasn't sort of just a sort of run-of-the-mill, non-committal denial. This was very sort of vehemently that Schroeder was pretty angry at any suggestion that he wants to be in anywhere but Atlanta right now. And to be honest, I, I get that because he's playing quite a lot of minutes. He's playing really well. At the moment, it doesn't feel like him or T are getting in each other's way at all. Like right now, it's working. Yeah, it's not It's not a Reggie it's probably, Jackson. It's probably a year or two away from being where you're at a spot where it's like, okay, well, now it really isn't working. And as long as the Hawks are really good and could put themselves in a mix to be conference final sort of team, that's when you can get away with two guys who really are starting point guards because they'll be sort of happy to run a second unit and keep the team good if there's a chance that they can win a lot of games and compete deep in the playoffs. If Memphis is actually going to implode... Oh, don't get me that excited. I mean, What about, what about Mike Conley? Seriously. I think you actually, I think you texted me about this earlier and I didn't get to reply. I think oh, yeah, did. did you ask me talk about I really want to I really want to talk about this. But let's do this cuz this is this is a one that books fans like to talk about. And well, that, the reason thing. the reason for that I'll put it out there right now is because it is complete and utter fantasy. Uh, the chances of this happening are like it's zero. Technically possible. No, it's it's completely possible. It's, it's not even just technically possible. It's in a in a vacuum this this is like going to happen imminently but do you want me to tell you can I, can I just explain it like what like the scenario I see in which the Bucks get Mike Conley okay the Grizzlies continue to not win games against Western Conference teams that are clearly going to be playoff teams the big six or maybe five if Memphis isn't in it we talked about earlier the front office just came out today and explicitly said Dave Yeager is not on the hot seat which is code for Dave Yeager is on the hot seat they continue to not win these games against the good L.A., against Golden State, Houston, who's making their comeback, just like Adam said they would, all these other teams. And they're just going, well, look, I mean, we have our franchise player. He's locked down. We're keeping Marcus All. Nobody else on this team is locked down right now. Mike Conley, because he's not really expensive anyway. But Mike Conley's coming up on a contract year. We deal Mike Conley right now get ourselves a pick, and try to do a, a Spursian like, instant reload when they had Admiral right before they got Duncan, where they're bad for a year. They get themselves a draft pick, another one for Conley, who, again, is on a contract season anyway. Suck it up for a bit. 
get a couple good draft picks this year, have two productive rookies, make a bit of noise in free agency, because if they're not resigning Conley, they have a lot of money. Or they could make a run at resigning Conley, too. I think he's unrestricted. And then they just start over with Marcus All and new company next year going forward. I mean, I really, really, really would like Conley to be a book. That's, I mean, I don't think that's likely, but that's like the possible scenario I see in which Conley is a book. That's what has to happen. Uh, I feel like it's so unlikely. It, it a little bit is, but I mean, the right, I, I still think, I know Matt Moore is going to hate, he's not going to listen to this, but if he did. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's not something you have to worry about first of all. He might hunt it down. <laughs> if, he hears, if he hears this grizzly talk, he might listen to it. <laughs> okay, that's also true. I think the writing's on the wall in that they're not going to win a championship without adding more pieces. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that NBA watchers look at this team and say, yeah, they're going to beat the Warriors in seven games. You can say, yeah, they almost did last year. That's true. Uh, Steve Kerr made a great adjustment, and then they destroyed him after that. The Warriors are entering their primes, and a lot of the key Grizzlies are getting older right now. I, I Sorry, don't see... Would you be saying... Right. The Bucks make this trade this season. The Conley thing, theory. yeah, in that yeah. theory. Yeah, because Conley. Why don't they? If they get, if they want a high draft pick, Conley instantly makes this team, in at least close to an East contender if everything yeah. goes right. The Bucks, that's going to be a high draft pick. This, this could be a three-team trade, or I mean, their pick would be good. Ah, if trade Conley. I've been quiet the last minute or so because I've been playing with the trade machine. <laughs> It wouldn't be that hard. I've I've got it. This this was I started playing with it before we got onto the Grizzlies and Connolly. So this is this is this is a Nets Bucks Hawks blockbuster where no real big name player moves anyway. Um, hear me out. I think you guys will hear me out. I think people who listen might be shouting. at just shouting in general when they hear it. Um, that probably happens when they listen to the podcast anyway. But there, there may be some shouting. Warning. Okay, so the Nets would get Michael Carter-Williams and Tim Hardaway Jr., who basically, I actually don't think he's played a second for the Hawks yet. This is already a fantastic trade for the Nets. The, there's only one player the Nets are giving up. Brook Lopez? No. Pretty oh, good no. player. That wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't make, no, he, could, he wouldn't fit on either team. To Johnson. the Bucks, Bojan Bogdanovic. Oh! Bogdanovic! Dennis Schroeder, obviously. And Mike Scott. To the Wait, Hawks, before you go further, before you go further. This is, this is where it gets problematic, because me as a Hawks already, I'm like, what the hell? Go on, yeah. Before you go further. What is going on with Mike Scott? Um, is, Mike Mike, Scott is Mike Scott the jail one? Probably going to yes. go to jail very soon, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's just, a, that's just like a contract. Yeah, he can't play. The league, the league haven't... I think because it's an ongoing investigation. Okay, yeah. I think until sort of a court of law. But saying that before, in the past... I don't know. I guess it depends on the issue. It's The Morris twins are still playing because they haven't gotten sentenced yet. They might, they're, they're gonna yeah, get yeah but uh, I can think of other examples which it's different scenarios. Like, say, um, Jeffrey Taylor, which was yeah. a domestic violence case, which is probably a little bit different. 
he was suspended by the league. Um, yeah, Mike Scott, the answer to that is I don't see right now how he's not going to jail. No. It's a weird situation, which I have some thoughts on that I probably shouldn't say on any sort of podcast. Um, so, yeah, but Mike Scott was, is... I, I was wondering on. why, whenever I watched Hawks, I was like, I knew that that was going on. I was just wondering if that was what the deal with that was. No, it's, it's sort of gone quiet, as these things tend to, like when you're waiting for trial dates and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, he's he's sort of just been very much focused on just trying to get back to business, get on with play as normal. It's probably made it easier that he was he sort of fell out of favor with Bud towards the end of last season. So when healthy Mike Muscala is the guy who they wanted to four and then splitter coming in means Horford plays more four. So the Hawks have the Hawks have too many guys at that spot. Like if we're talking about the Bucks needing a little bit extra depth. Scott can rebound, he can score, he can shoot the tree. He may not be able to do any of those things from a jail cell. Yeah. Just to quickly sum up what you, I'm, I'm alleging your thoughts are on, on Mike Scott. Just in general, very, very PG-rated version. No, it's 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 nothing to do. Nah. With, it's no, nothing just... to do. It's nothing to do with as in the content. The content isn't. Uh, I'd talk just, about just, the content. Just, just, just real quick, I'll just do my thing. Okay. If, okay. If Come you're on. a professional athlete and like a real one, not like professional dodgeball or something. If you're if you're making a hundred thousand, even if it's only a hundred thousand dollars a year, which I think everyone in the NBA makes at least like five hundred thousand dollars. If you're making that much money, don't do any crimes. Just don't. Just why? See, I just walk this is I, just don't yeah, do I it. can't. I can't. I can't go there. This this isn't the issue. Uh, that was just my. That's just this my. Maybe this that's is the my issue. Yeah. Thing, man. I don't, I don't know how well you guys are, anyone listening, is sort of clued in on exactly the details of the Mike Scott case. But if, if you know the details, it's not that hard, I think, to put together what sort of maybe might have happened. But we won't say any more than that because... Yeah, we don't want to get... is trying to say, if you can't do the time, you can't do the crime. I mean, come on, guys. It's, if you're, I mean, I'm just, if you have a livelihood, just, just play safe. I, I literally I can't because I could I could just come yeah. out with a reply to this now and then in the unlikely chance that anyone ever hears it we'd be in trouble. Yeah, this, so, this could be a legal thing. That's why I my my thing was just general. If you know person, we should probably we should move just, on. We should be. Yeah, I was trying to move on and you brought a bad trade. I gotta let me do my thing and then I let you do your trade? thing and we're still what's there. That, what's that the end of the trade is where the problem starts because someone has to come up with picks and it can't be the Nets, obviously. So <sighs> the Hawks in this in this terrible deal that ruins my Hawks, they get Jared Payless. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is the part which has more upside and the part that would make books fans shout. They also get Damian Inglis. Uh, yeah, that's totally fine. We got Schroeder, Yeah, right? I, I think, yeah, if, if I'm a Bucks fan, Bogdanovich, Scott, and Schroeder. Even, uh, if, even if Scott just I, gets instantly waived. That's I, still why fine. would you instantly wave Mike Scott? I, like, I don't. Like, Mike Scott is, a, is actually a valuable player, aside from that other if, stuff. Which Yeah, if he's not. We're done with that, Ty. We're done with that. Hollinger's analysis. Hollinger's famous analysis, which is nearly always, like, Terrible. So random. Or just you're normally looking at a deal where both teams are minus eight wins. This is actually, it's not bad. 
That's got to be plus 900 Nets, wins for the Nets. Nets minus one win somehow. Wow, they lose wow. Bogdanovich, get Carter Williams and Hardaway Jr. and they're minus one win. Okay. For the Bucks, the Bucks are plus four wins. The Hawks are only minus one win. I suppose it's considered the guys who are... Um, it makes sense. Um, yeah, they still have a really good rotation with that. Yeah, I think the Hawks would need that deal sweetened by the Bucks. As in, like, first-round pick sweetened. Because, really, you'd just be giving away Shrewd or Bayless on expiry. This was, like, a really unnecessary sidetrack. Uh, I just started playing with the trade machine, and you guys are talking about Mike Conley, who... Mike Conley, if you're listening, you'd be welcome as a book. Yeah. Hashtag Mike, Conley, yes, or Conley, no, if you, if you want. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but if, if anyone wants to be hashtag Conley, If yes, I say Conley, no, I wouldn't be the person that says Conley, no, if there is one. Someone will, someone will find it. This they really sound dangerous, Jordan. I don't know if I want to meet that person. There's really impassioned MCW fans out there that would say no. My and question to Adam I mean, was, just we to, should do this fast. No, you just to upset those really impassioned MCW fans, I think we're going to basically skip over MCW because he's been yeah. injured all week and yeah, we've gone way about. too long already. So MCW, get healthy and then we might talk about you. Actually, one, more, one thing about MCW... One thing. One what Adam said thing. was just completely invalidated. One brief thing. We have not talked about his hair. Oh, God. I just, I just want to say his nickname should be Broccoli because it looks like a bro- it looks like Broccoli. Hashtag wow. Broccoli, yes. Hashtag Broccoli, no. I say no. Broccoli, no. Shooting guards. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be the only one to not do a hashtag. This is this. I don't um, know how I feel about that. It's off, like that. it's off the rails. It's just it's gone, um, and we're only a shooting guard. So keep we're listening. Have to speed up. We're gonna have to speed up a little bit here. What do you Which mean? Is, I mean, everyone's I mean, gonna take, take more time. The only person we can really talk about is Middleton, right? Bale has a play. Vaughn. I mean, Vaughn. Two minutes. We already kind of talked about Vaughn. Basically, yeah. there's not much more to say about him. Vaughn should get more minutes, but he won't. That's Vaughn covered. Yeah, um, that's Middleton, getting better. Middleton's field goal percentage is terrible. Like, when he's not shooting from behind the line, he's at, like, 38 or 39%. His threes are back to 40. That surprised me, because I, I even remember from early in the year, like, I think in even season opener, I thought Middleton was, maybe not season opener, was that one he had foul trouble? Um... But see, I remember him posting up and making sort of nice shots from the oh, post. Oh, yeah. What was that? The left elbow? He was perfect? Yeah. Yeah. So like what what to happened to his field goal percentage if he's shooting above 40% from three? Like what what has he been doing that I can't remember that hasn't down below 40 from the field? He hasn't been doing that. I haven't seen him post up much at all. I mean, what's he? Is he missing layups? Is it all mid-range jumpers? He's- yeah. We're I mean, speculating about this, which is like completely pointless. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to pull this <laughs> shot chart up. So what Middleton has been doing. It's mostly all green. Um, basically, from the left side of the court, things are not so good. Over three from the left corner. 
Then you're moving in, you're going 1 for 10, 0 for 3, 3 for 12, 2 for 10. Then he is from deep on the right-hand side, and everywhere else is better than league average or at league average. So that's doing a great job of not explaining his field goal percentage. I actually can't figure it out. I don't understand that. It's just like there's something wrong somewhere. It's the mystery. Huh, maybe numbers lie. The thing that's impressed me about Middleton, it was that stretch at the end of the Sixers game. Because we're used to Middleton taking big shots, making them, and so far this season when he's taken on big shots, he has not made them. He's missed them and missed them pretty badly. Generally, there's been a couple of exceptions. But at the end of that game, that taking the ball in his hands and he was feeling it as a playmaker... And he just made all the right calls. Like, it's funny, and I found it interesting at the time. I came out of that night as going, Middleton won that game, where I know there was like maybe the other 50% of people who were watching that from a book's point of view were like, Monroe won that game. But for me, it was like, Monroe can do that. It's about getting the ball to Monroe. And a problem for the books could well be at times, and Talked about this a little bit last week. Michael Carter Williams isn't necessarily even healthy. He wasn't the guy being given the ball in those late game situations to try and get the ball in there. It was more Giannis um, last week. Well, Middleton did a great, great job of that. And um, just, I guess it's his demeanor, and we talk about it, but he's so composed that it makes sense. He seems like a guy who isn't just going to make a stupid decision. He's going to try, measure up the options, see what's the best way to go. That was the most encouraging thing to me because we talked a bit in the summer about Middleton as a go-to option and how it sort of went against what he wanted to do. It seemed unlikely, even though it might be in his best interest. I sort of think that's the equivalent of Middleton going go-to if he's the initiator, yeah. if he takes the ball in his hands. And this is the comparison I've made over and over again. And it's not a pretty one right now because this guy is playing so bad. But Middleton went Joe Johnson. That's, that's what he did in that game. That's like end the game, the ball, any team Joe Johnson's been on, whether it's old Hawks teams or it's current Nets, even as bad as they are, as bad as he has been, the ball would go to Joe Johnson's hands and he would figure it out from there. Middleton could do that. He can go ISO. The difference is that passing and that awareness he showed. He just It was like three... I'm pretty sure it was three easy buckets he got for Monroe in that oh, six yeah. game. And it, it was, was really in the, the, same in the space of 40 seconds the game was over because yeah. they just executed completely flawlessly. And that for me was the most encouraging thing I've seen out of Middleton. It, I mean, I, that's as encouraging as anything he did last season. His numbers, his mm. crazy, crazy numbers... They were great, but it was like, well, is he just going to be a special shooter, or does he have that extra gear? Does he have that little bit more? Taking the ball in your hands and finding teammates for the right plays, that sort of bodes really well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, like you said, we were talking about, like, well, you know, he clearly has a scoring ability that at the time, I mean, I, Monroe obviously has his own, but... Milton is so much more dynamic than my roses. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, 
So you were just thinking like, well, how more, how much more aggressive can he be? And he, I mean, he's shown that from time to time, but the biggest development has obviously been his closing, uh, closing the games out in big situations. Even like the, not just the Sixers game, but that Nets game, obviously, I think we were talking about last week, but, yeah, you know, he missed that three-point shot that was kind of like wide open for him, and you're just like, oh, that's a huge bucket. But to have that kind of post up on, like, by the elbow, just to have that and hit that with ease, like, it, it, he barely, like, set it up. It was really kind of like just one little move and it went in and stuff like that. It's it's really encouraging to see that, that you want to see guys like Jabari eventually and Giannis kind of close out games, but Chris Middleton is their closer. That's the biggest kind of development right now, at least, for him. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, all those things are obviously true. I'm just glad you started to hit those threes again. Mm-hmm. That had me a little bit worried because, I mean, Bayless has been hitting them, and, I mean, 100% Ennis, but that's obviously not going to last. <laughs> um, but um, I just think that they need him to shoot 40% from three. Like, that's really, like, he's the guy where you looked at this roster in the preseason, we all did. And we said, and we're all, we've all been very pleasantly surprised by how shooters have turned around this team. But Middleton was always the guy where it's like, well, even if no one else can shoot, Chris Middleton will be able to shoot. And it's good to see that, that his early game aberrations were just that and that he's actually still, yes, a really good $14 million per year shooter. Yeah, I think that is that is the case. He needs to be the shooter. I still I can't help but wanting more from him though. Yeah, like, I mean I, I I'd like to see more, but he needs to do that to. Start. Oh, absolutely. The books the books need that from him at the very least. Um, but I, I did I had confidence that that would come back. Maybe I thought it might have taken a little bit longer. Um, but the three point shooting is encouraging. It's just it's the weird field goal percentage that is sort of yeah. trolling me at the moment. It'd be nice just to see him get back to his all-round efficient game very soon. Um, but, I mean, look, right now he's he's averaging 14.6 points a game, which is more than he's ever averaged for a full season so far. So if he's doing that when not really making his shots, like we know he can, sort of 16 points a game is well within reason for... For Middleton this year, for a guy who we've talked to death how he ended up with the team, but still a player, even when his contract was signed, it was like by most people, that's the sort of price you pay for a really elite role player, and the deal was praised by most. I mean, that's 16 points a game is nothing to turn your nose up at, particularly if it's been done efficiently. That's really, really big time. Um, so if he can do that sort of hit that sort of mark, that sort of consistent production throughout the season. It just looks like a smarter and smarter deal with every passing day for the books. I would, personally, if he can do that and take control, because even that sort of play and what he did with Monroe in the end of that game, that's going to open up more opportunities for him to shoot as well. So greater scoring chances will come out of that as well. It just... it. I, I guess it adds a completely new dimension to his game. Um, just to keep you updated, because I know some of you, oh, yeah. some of you are wondering. hanging on waiting. The lead is back to 20. Um, there is 
five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. So you just, you just watch this get down to 15 points in the third quarter, and the Hawks are going to go get it. Getting back to, I was going to say more important matters, but it depends on your perspective. <laughs> are we a uh, small forward now? I think we're at small forward. Um, I think uh, we'll go to we small should... forward because we can't talk about Mayo because you haven't seen him, but I will. No. I'd like to just emphasize what I said earlier. I do think Mayo is probably a small forward. Um, I don't think we're going to see too much of him just because, like, in terms of the bench unit, I don't know when we're not going to see two guards. Like, to, with the way the roster is comprised, I don't think they have an option but to make sure there's two guards on the floor. Um. Yeah. Small forward, let's try to talk about someone other than Giannis and see just how long we can get out of it. I mean, we should. I feel like Giannis should get his own pod. Like, we should just find out. Because I don't know if I can talk about Giannis, like, really talk about Giannis without talking for like four hours. Oh, Giannis pod. We could do a Giannis pod. We Giannis really pod. could do a Giannis pod. Well, who else is a small forward? Copeland? English hasn't really how played. You, how can you forget English? English hasn't you. really played. We're talking about this week. Yeah, no, we are. I'm, I'm being completely sarcastic. I mean, yeah. honestly, Copeland hasn't really played either. Just a quick update. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's 16 points already now, so uh, oh, wow. my end of the third quarter prediction. Just, I told you, I promised you, listeners, you were going to listen to history be documented so people are just going to be like what is this pod about like, <laughs> it's getting, about we're getting the hawks we're getting the hawks, 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 hawks bucks come on yeah this is this is what it's all about Should i mean talk about how chris copeland lost his job to job within a week i don't he, think i've ever copeland seen has been player. so terrible I don't think I've ever seen a player who could literally do only one thing on an NBA floor before. Like, we always joke about, like, Monroe is one of them. Oh, all Monroe can do is bang down low. Chris Copeland can literally only shoot three-pointers. Like, that's it. Like, he can't play defense. He doesn't have any really – I mean, he will he can dunk, but that doesn't really count as a skill if you're in the NBA. He's not a very good passer. He's just literally, like, he'll play for, like, ten minutes, take seven actually, minutes. No, I will say, I think he's actually kind of a good passer. I've seen a lot of the the good ball movement. I could be totally wrong on this because I have no evidence to back me up. But a lot of that was when Copa was in. The ball may have not gone in the hoop necessarily, but <laughs> the ball movement was there. But I agree, he can't. Most of the ball movement I see from Chris Copeland is the ball moving from Chris Copeland's <laughs> hand toward the toward the hoop from beyond his the arc. His release is super quick. It looks it like. Is. How else it's kind of off so off well. It's such a weird release. It's, it's a kinda, little shot variant esque. It kind of reminds me of Delhi a little bit. I was gonna say so, Kevin Martin, which is like we're just um, like weird jump shot bingo right there. Um, yeah. Last year, to be honest. Oh sixteen. Sorry. The thing with Copeland is, if we remember back to when all that talk happened. I mean, you guys remember just how much I hated it and how I was all over. He can only shoot. He can't do anything. And then I tried really hard to find other things he could do, and I sort of came around to it. I wish I hadn't done that right now because... Can't do anything. I mean, my my gut reaction was right. He's, he's a good shooter. 
He did what they wanted. He did what his like main goal was. He just doesn't do anything else. He's like what 35 percent I mean, or more from three. Thirty-five-ish, yeah. Yeah, right. And that's pretty good, but nothing it's, else. It's just average, really, though. I mean, it's not like if it's that's all he can do, you want him to be at fifty percent. It's pretty good for the very end of free agency for one million dollars. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that. it's as far as I go with that. Inglis, we're not going to see Inglis. I mean, it's another one. Books fans need to get so over it. Unless there's injuries. Oh, look, I mean, it's it's part of it. We said this. We sort yeah, of we we knew it was coming. We like, did. this is how the NBA works. And for the few exceptions that there is to that, Jason Kidd is not one of them. Um, for many ways where Jason Kidd is radical in his, his actions as a coach, Rotations is certainly not one. Um, he likes guys who are veterans. We know that. Kenya Martin, Cuff. Um, Uncle Buck. Maybe that's the power forward depth the team needs. I'm not even going <laughs> to joke about that. Um, Giannis, though. What, what can we say? Like, okay, if we were to have a Giannis podcast... It's a possibility. Could... You pitch it to me now. What what can we say about Yanis that hasn't been said? Oh, it's it's been said, but just I just think it deserves a podcast. Just a few things from the the thing I did today. Giannis is twenty second in the NBA in scoring. He's the second youngest player to be twenty two or higher. Jaleel Okafor is scoring less than one point more than him per game. He has the second highest field goal percentage at the top twenty two. Only Blake Griffin has been more accurate. Blake Griffin shooting 58%. That shouldn't even count. That's like superhuman. And he has only three players are shooting as well or better than him from three-point range in the top 22. Steph Curry, Brad Beal, and him and Reggie Jackson are tied. He's 20. He's 20 years old. Is that the Hawks game? You just you really that is the Hawks game. Wow. Thanks, thanks for bringing the Hawks game up there, because um, just 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 a to, quick update, just to give the people what they want. It is now down to a ten-point game. One, wow. one minute thirteen left in the third quarter. Wow! Um, so I'm glad I just did my whole memorize Giannis thing. Can you say that again? Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> He's been, no, he's been I'm, pretty I'm joking, good. Joking, he's been I'm pretty joking. good. That's I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I know. You're kind of joking. I can multitask. I can. I can do it. Yeah. Let's those, move those, on. Are, those are incredible things. That's all. Mm. They like, really are. Yeah. It probably yeah, is the whole podcast because I kind of just said a lot, but it's it's crazy. It's nuts. Sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. The other thing too that's kind of <clears throat> crazy about this is his. His use, like, it doesn't seem like the. I mean, obviously, I don't think that you would say the offense rotates around him uh, in a significant way. And his usage number isn't that far off from what it is last year. He's just been, just been really crazy, like, really efficient. And yeah, I mean, he's been one of the best. He's been one of the best, like, four or five shooters and, uh, who are also it's scoring. It's nuts. Yeah. He's shooting 45.5% from three. And it's not like a really little sample size. That's, that's the almost, craziest. Yanis is currently the book's, game. He's the book's leading three-point shooter. It's like, yeah. 
I mean, that's that's the world where everyone was like, well, if Giannis could lead the books in three-point shooting, well then, like... Why did Jason Kidd tell him to not take shots last year? Why would you limit Giannis ever? I don't I think, to be that. fair, I, I don't think this was the way Giannis would have shot the ball last year. To be, yeah. I mean, to be more fair, his largest sample size is his rookie year, where he wasn't starting, and he shot like 35%. He shot like 35% on, like, next to nothing attempts, though. I mean, it was over a hundred. It was over a hundred for the season. That's over one a game. To be honest, I think he's at the same. Um, probably, yeah, probably at the same. I think rate. He's, he's about the same. Like his attempts, he's making he three points. He's not really shooting them still. Like that's he, the as much as people talk about it, he's actually not really one point eight per game. He's just marginally up on what he shot as a rookie. I mean, yeah. we're still not looking at him being anywhere near a point where he's making a three a game. It's more like. Well, that's kind of what that is. It's just below it, sorry. 0. 0.8. I thought you said 1.8. Attempts. Oh. Yeah, he's taking two threes a game. Okay, that's right. Generous rounding up at the decimals, but... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, I mean, they, they the don't... Thing for me, the, the thing for me, right, with Giannis, and this is the sort of thing that maybe doesn't make you particularly popular to talk about at the moment... But what's, what interests me most is the drop-off because I think it's inevitable. It's going to come. It's going to come soon. And we might have seen a little bit of it. If maybe we're seeing it already, and that's the best-case scenario where Yanis' drop-off is like 16, 17 points a game. Um, that would be pretty impressive. But where where do we go if there's a sort of a bigger slump, if there's a more dramatic fall-off, or if it's in any way sustained? Like, I mean... It shouldn't change anything with the way the team is because this isn't how Yanis was necessarily supposed to start. But at the same time, I think everyone has naturally been so swept up in how Yanis has started that if it was to revert back a little bit, and not that he was to be bad, but he just was to be, say, at the level he was at last year, like, if you think right now, it's scary where the books season would be seven games in if Yanis was playing at the level he played last year. I, I just... I. I mean, obviously, there's going to be slumps. I'm not saying he's going to do that every single game. That'd be stupid. I'd take it, but it'd be stupid. I don't see him regressing for long periods of time. I mean, it looks like this kind of play he's at right now is pretty sustainable. Well, let me let me play devil's advocate because I don't necessarily believe this, but I mean, I think this is a theory that it's hard to disprove right now. We talk about the extra basketball Yanis played this summer. That later in the season could have a significant impact on him. We we know that it could mean that he ends up tiring out a little bit quicker than some of the other guys. Another potential knockout from that is Giannis is already in closer to mid-season form compared to most of the rest of the guys he's playing with and against. And if that's the case, and he's just basically one step sharper, just all around he's he's in much more of a flow than, than most guys around the NBA that's where he could regress to the mean without necessarily playing worse. It could just sort of happen because everyone else around them, their conditioning gets better, he sort of ups their game. Obviously, that's the sort of thing we can't know for sure until we're, say, two months further down the line. But I think just to play devil's advocate, I think that's like that's a legitimate thing that it has to be taken into consideration. Of course, it's no fun at all to consider that. Nobody <laughs> wants to think of it. But, like... That has to be a real thing right now. Like I'm still, 
maybe maybe I'm the glass half empty sort of person. I just need it really to be proven to me. But until it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going to the point where I'm like, right, this is 100% who Yanis is. I still expect a little fallback, and that's not, once again, that he won't be this guy eventually sort of full-time. It's just... It's been so incredible, and it's the fact that uh, we have to have discussions like this, and, well, what if it isn't real? That's the bonus of it. I think to play the opposite end of that, and that's definitely valid, that's definitely possible. This is like devil's advocate to devil's advocate. This is like... Yeah, this is double devil's advocate. <laughs> okay. If, uh, Al Pacino's about to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to do a, an Al Pacino voice. <laughs> I, but, just, um, I wanted you to do one. I'm so glad. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Um, but anyway, if Giannis keeps us up for a, an entire season, I would be shocked if he was not the best player in the NBA in five years. And that's, I don't even think that's that ridiculous of a thing to say. If he can average 19 points, 7 rebounds on 45, 47, or no, 47, 45. At his age, yeah, no, I At that's... 20 years old, like, that's nuts. Bradley Beal is doing slightly better at age 22 right now, and everyone is shocked. And by slightly better, that's only on scoring. He doesn't rebound, and he, I don't even think he assists at the level Giannis does. I mean, if Giannis can do all that for a whole season at age 20, well, 21 in December, but still, right now he's 20 years old. By the time he's 25, 26, where James Harden is right now, he's going to be nuts, like insane. I have a it's side note, side note here, and just it's not really, a, I mean, it's still on the same, same general train of thought. It's just me or... Does it feel like young guys have started this season off incredibly well? Like, I mean, for all the talk of young guys, it's like and a, it's debate over like one and dones and whether guys should be allowed to come to the NBA straight from high school and all of those now sort of historical issues. Young guys are coming into the league and settling in much faster than than ever. There's really, a, there's a crazy crop of 22 year old basketball players right now. Bradley Beal's 22, Andre Drummond is 22. What Drummond is doing at 22 now, if if he could sustain this in any way, is insane. You're you're looking at a guy who could actually become one of the greatest centers ever to play the game. For someone a who's so limited, player. It, it's crazy. I mean, he's averaging 20-20 right. He's exactly the same amount of points and rebounds per game. It's like 20.3. The thing with Drummond is, it's only a matter of time before he has a 30-30 game. I mean, he was really close what, last night or two nights ago. Yeah. Hawks update. Five-point game. Future book. Uh, Dennis. Dennis Schroeder just made a three. And now now he's getting right up in... Never mind. My play-by-play -play isn't that good because... Oh, actually, <laughs> it's Andre Miller's face. I was, like, I was like, who's 24 for the Timberwolves? Andre Miller. Still playing basketball. Yeah. Keep getting them checks. Yeah, sorry, sorry once again, everybody. But <laughs> it's get it's getting to the point where those of you who are annoyed by it to start now, now we're probably listening up to go. What stage is the Hawks game at now? <laughs> so, I mean, it's becoming a thing. Go on, Ty. You had something to say. I did. I was I was just talking about twenty-two-year-olds. I'll no pick up the ball and roll with it. With you, you can do Giannis or you can do power forward. It's your it's your choice, Jordan. I do Giannis. Um, okay. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible to see him. I don't know if it's like a fully formed. It's more fully formed, obviously, but it's just his confidence as a like going from one end to of the court to the other. Still has a little issues with that three point shot. I have to say, but I mean, it's just still. I don't know. It's it's what we wanted to expect. Like if the best case scenario happened and it's happening and it's really hard to kind of like put into words. And also it's seven games, but it's just I don't know. It feels it feels really exciting to see. But I do agree with Adam. I think he's closer to where he is mid-season form because of Eurobasket and just the, the fact that not even just Eurobasket, he played I mean, they had so many warm-up games. I want to say they almost had like ten. So he was very busy this over the summer, and it's kind of better to kind of keep him going now, or or keep it going now, and how they're tr going to try to stagger minutes with when Jabari gets kind of like the full uh, reins loose. I bet Giannis's uh, minutes go down not significantly, but I don't think he's going to play close to where he has been routinely the last uh, week and a half. So in that in that case, they're kind of playing smart with that. But uh, I mean, his performance has been just incredible. I guess another part of it as well, and as you said, it is sort of it is a case of the best case scenario coming true, and maybe that's part of the problem that some people have. Maybe me at the moment is <laughs> books aren't used to the best case scenario coming true in any way. Yes. I mean. It was like the closest they got to that. Not too far. Not too far in the past was Jabari Parker landing to them at number two, and then look what else happens. I mean, Jabari Parker gets injured, his rookie season gets ruined. So, I mean, it's such a thing for the books to. You guys are are long used to this idea of torture monsters. Well, yeah, it's it's basically just it's it's never gonna go right, and when it's actually going right, then. It's a natural reaction to one completely embrace it, or to two run for the hills with terror. Yeah. Um, and we probably need. I mean, by the time I think we get to the twenty game mark, that's where things start to look. That's where things start to look real. I mean, mm. it gets harder to debate it over that. Twenty games in for Yanis, if he's still at this level. It's it's a whole new world for the books. He's suddenly the the franchise player. And and on top of that, it could also accelerate the team's timeline because I mean, if he's ready to, if he's that good and he's ready to go earlier, then like I mean, this sounds crazy and it sounds greedy, but if you're doing your job properly and you're in the front office and you're building a team to win a championship, if you do your job well, it has to become a point where you you change that objective from maybe building a team to win a championship and compete for championships to building a team to win multiple championships. Yeah. And that's if Giannis is this good consistently this early, that's probably gotta be where the books head get up pretty quick and that's how can we win multiple championships? How do we maximize this? Maybe that's then when you'll start to see some more trades. 
or a little bit more activity will, will happen from from the books from John Hammond, and they'll make a bit more of an aggressive push. Let's move on to power forwards. So we just have to take a bit of a brief break there for tight change room, and unfortunately we come back from that interval with some bad news. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to bring the Hawks' glorious comeback to you live. They came all the way back, they did get ahead, and, and then they lost. So we'll move swiftly up. The books! Uh, power forwards. There's there's some interesting stuff going on at power forward. Literally, both guys, we could maybe call it three guys if, if you wanted to buy into ESPN's crazy depth charts again. What are, they, um, are they saying Copeland? Copeland? No, they're not they're saying, saying Copeland. Copeland. They're, saying they're, saying, they're saying starting power forward is John Henson. <laughs> Oh, no. they're, they're great. I don't, I just... This is a thing on 2K2, and I don't know why, because John Henson is just not a power forward. That and Miles Plumley always ending up the starter, which is a weird 2K thing that always happens. I always see so much Miles Plumley whenever I play with the Bucks or against the Bucks and like GM. But, but no, those, those all three of those guys, Monroe, who is a power forward on 2K, Miles Plumley, who is a power forward on 2K, and John Henson, who is a power forward on 2K, none of them are power forwards in real life. Thanks for the 2K insight there, Ty. I play uh, a lot of 2K. It's not healthy. I mean, you've made me lose my train of thought. I, uh, power forwards, I guess, was where we were at before your 2K. Rant. I'm going to go with rant there. Let's yeah, it was start, a rant. Let's Get your start stuff with, together, 2K. Let's start with J-O-B. Amazing. Synonymous with J-O-B. Let's, is let's start and let's be reasonable with J-O-B because I've already had my fun on J-O-B. Given expectations, I think amazing is pretty reasonable. Yeah, given expectations. This is this is the argument you and I have got into with various people on Twitter. I, uh, I don't... People are saying... I. Someone said to me... I'll just say someone. They said, well, would we really be celebrating J-O-B if he wasn't this bad last year? And for a guy who's name name the person because you're not throwing shade. <laughs> yeah, that's a legitimate question. I think I I I. I you're right. I remember. I, I remember who it was. I think it was Brett, and I don't know how to say his last name. Brett Abramchik. That was a good one. It was Brett. I think it was Brett. I couldn't remember if it was Brett or, or Mike. I couldn't remember who it was. But someone said that it, would we really be celebrating him? Like I said, if if he wasn't so bad last year, and at this point he had he still hadn't had a turnover, he was shooting pretty bad still. He's got his shooting percentage up more, but he was still doing all the little things right. And I think, like if Chris Copeland, if their roles were reversed and Chris Copeland was playing exactly how Job was, I think we'd be really be really really happy with Chris Copeland, because that's a guy who steps in, doesn't step on anyone's toes. That's my favorite thing about Job. Like Job always acknowledges, and I don't. I don't want to say it's like a, a lack of confidence. I don't think he. I don't think he actively thinks, "Oh, I'm the the fifth best guy on the team." Like I, I'm not the best guy on the floor. I'm not. I don't think he thinks that. I think he looks around and sees plays around him that are just better than the one he would make. I see him a lot of times where last year he would just sort of flail up around the rim, 
He'll go toward the rim and just dish out at the last second. It's a really good pass. And you just go, where did this guy get this vision? And maybe that's a Jason Kidd thing. You know, maybe it's seeing more like a point guard. But just the awareness he shows in that, look, I'm going to hustle when I'm out there because I'm not, even if I'm getting spot starts, I'm not really getting starters minutes. I can afford to hustle, fight on both sides of the glass, and just make the smart play, only shoot if I'm open or right next to the rim. I mean, I think any team would be appreciative to have a guy like that. That's a really good backup for if he can know his role like that and just come in and, and just sort of smooth everything along. The most important thing about JLB, and this is something that sort of came to me today, and I'd probably write about this, except we would probably experience a real backlash if we do any more JLB writing. I'm waiting till at least like November 21st to start writing about JLB again. I'm saying this. I'll probably just do it in the next couple of days anyway. Go, hey. We should, we should, we should become like the JLB site. Like, yeah, we're friends with JLB. I think we are. I, I think, think we are too. I think we are. I think, I mean, there, no one was, it's no. a mantle that no one took up. If you know my J-O-B, thing, my thing with J-O-B, My thing with J-O-B, and this is why I don't think it's unreasonable to praise him in any way. And it sounds like sort of a backhanded compliment, but it's not. Because this is, what, this is really what you want from guys who are, say, in spots 10 to 15 on an NBA roster. The most important thing that Johnny O'Brien does right now is he doesn't hurt the team when he's on the floor. And that sounds like it's a knock on him and saying he can't help the team. But it's just sort of life in the NBA. More guys at the back end of your roster, when you get in and empty out your bench, generally what happens is they hurt your team. And right now he doesn't do that. And that's that's like the most important thing for building a strong, sustainable, consistent NBA bench is having five guys who you can trust, they're just going to do their role, and they're, they're going to leave, I guess... They're going to leave the game intact for the starters to come in and do what you want your starting unit to do. And that is the most important thing. He's had, I think he's one turnover total so far. Yeah, he is I, think in, I think he finally committed one. If you look at per 36 minutes for, for I'm going to say it was, what did I look at, for players who have played 100 minutes or more. So basically, meaningful role players. He ranks fourth best in terms of lowest turnovers. I mean, he's been super efficient. His shooting—he hasn't really been wasteful with his sh- shot at all. Even when he's taking that mid-range jumper that he likes to take, he's hit it. I Is mean, it, I just just a little sidetrack. Sorry. Is his stroke much better this year? Like his shooting form, like he rises straight up. I don't. I don't think his form was bad last year. Yeah, I just I, maybe it's I just confidence. He's just making him. I I I don't I he's like when he pulls up even like before he releases, it just seems I don't know maybe I'm completely off. That's, maybe I was you know Tyler, that could that could just as easily be your confidence in Job as well. It could be, but I even like right away like the first couple of games, and I was high on Job coming in. He just it's, rises straight up, and I just look and go, oh, wow. That's a, it's that's funny, because I'm, I'm on his basketball reference page right now, and when you go to the player news section where you see articles about that player, mm-hmm. it's all us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's literally no one else who has, no one else who has mentioned Johnny O'Brien, and when I say it's all of us, it's all within the last week as well. Um, so we, we are the Johnny O'Brien 
site at the moment. But I mean, I think I mean I think Johnny O'Brien should be talked about. More. I mean, that's not just articles about him. That just means that we link to him on Basketball Reference. I mean, I think it's kind of hard not to talk about him if you're talking Bucks in the last week. He's been important. Yeah, and he's doing. I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but he's doing what I hope he was or hoped he was doing last year, and he's doing yeah. really well. Like, there's people like you, like I say, like there are people that just aren't the Giannis's, Jabari's. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like the Brian Cardinal, if you will. I mean, Ooh. kind of going back a, a ways. But those guys are are very useful. I I'm not saying JMV is gonna be a guy that. No, but that's the point. There's reasons, and these are like extreme yeah. examples, but there's reasons why guys like Brian Scalabrini and Matt Bonner and these sort of guys... Kendrick like, Perkins. Mm, Perkins is different. He was, more, he was more glorified. Like, he actually, I mean, he was good. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, sometimes very limited role players get glorified. Time. Yeah, that's true. Steve, that. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is kind of the same. I mean, of course, he's got famous shots, but he was a role player. On that uh, team. Yeah, I think he was maybe. Yeah. Just, there's, I think that's the thing. There's different levels of role player, and Steve Kerr was this, just in that next bracket up. He he might be right now, but like the Bucks win a championship like three or four years from now, right? A key play to end the game. I don't know why he's out there. Johnny O'Brien gets like an <laughs> offensive rebound, <laughs> and and dishes it back like. This is it. This is like ten people who listen to the podcast. We've lost them forever now. Well, Um, that would. I'm just saying, it's possible for a role guy to have a Steve Kerr. I know. Even Johnny O'Brien. I know. Everyone who listens to us is just saying that's it. They've they've lost it. They're actually running (laughs) championship scenarios where Johnny O'Brien makes clutch plays. That's the It was a clutch clutch rebound. It's not like he didn't hit a game winner. It was a clutch rebound. You're talking about like it's like it actually happened now. I can I can literally see it in my head. The best part about it was it was just it was designed to be a compliment, but there's still like some sort of like insult. I I don't know why he's out there, but he is. <laughs> I like Johnny O'Brien. I really like Johnny O'Brien because he's like the ultimate like NBA rig to riches story. And he's the kind of guy who. Well, no, come on! <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this back because he's averaging five point four points and three point six rebounds. He's, he's not like, he riches from, yet. He went from a guy who said like everyone more. should cut him to a functional ninth man in a rotation. That's riches. He's at ranks to RI. Let's just go there. I'll, I'll compromise on Rick. He's a second-round pick. He's not supposed to be good at all. He's better than, I'd say, like an average second-round pick. What about Chris Middleton? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. That was, yeah, I, I don't want to open that door. I don't want to open that door. <laughs> if you're saying Chris Middleton's an average second-round pick, no, I'm saying we the best GM. Never mind. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> to bring it back, because I want to, I want to bring it back and ground it in reality. Just before we move on to JLB. I had, a, I was actually gonna say my most realistic JLB thing right there too. Go on, okay, go on, say it. He's gonna be the guy where his, his rookie deal runs out, and they resign him for like three or four million a year in the new in the new cap. And everyone's like, well, why'd they even resign him at all? Especially people who don't really watch the team. And then he's just gonna continue to be the same really solid guy and and free up money for other positions because you say, oh well. At backup four, we got three and a half million dollar Johnny O'Brien. He'll he'll do just fine. And that's going to help the team salary long term. Yeah, now that's that's sort of a realistic timeline, maybe more realistic than your other job timeline. 
Yeah. He'll be making four million a year because his deal will rise, and then he'll get that offensive rebound in Game Six. <laughs> I'd just like to reiterate how my biggest positive for Johnny O'Brien was the fact that he isn't hurting the team right now. And I know it sounds like a backhanded compliment. It's not, though. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, to be fair, my championship thing was backhanded, too. We're about that here. We'll compliment you, but you're going to you're gonna feel a little sting, too. I'm just going to I'm just gonna move on. I, I have nothing else. I'll move on. Let's talk about your boy. Let's do it. I like him. You know what? Let's not do it because <laughs> <laughs> we've got a mailbag question that I think asks the most intriguing part, maybe, of the Jabari team. We'll touch on the rest of that in a few minutes. Is That's it from Pencil or is it alternate account? That alternate account is not Pencil. We'll get to that later yeah. as well. Yeah, we, oh, we got some, drama. We got some serial stuff. We got some serial going on. Yeah, that is exactly. I mean, we need... I don't know if I know season two of Serial is coming soon. Click, 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 click. No, we need. This, no, is, we need. this is the moment the podcast fell apart. But they need a story for free, <laughs> which is going to follow closely after, I believe. If they do, books, mailbag, the origins could be. No, you know, you know who's going to solve this mystery? It's going to be Kareem's next book. Oh no! <laughs> About Minecraft, only Minecraft Holmes could solve this mystery. Look at Kareem on the case. Minecraft Holmes, or is it Mycroft? Mycroft, Mycroft. We'll get we'll get Marcus Johnson to ring up Kareem. We'll get Kareem to we'll get Kareem to figure this out, and then it'll be the plot of his next book. And that's how you solve a mystery on Twitter. We will get back to Jabari later. Yeah. <clears throat> John Hansen, very briefly. Very briefly because, really very briefly because yeah, we have no sample size, because we had one insane game, and it'll be interesting to see if that's the sort of game that he can show again. He was crazy good in preseason? He was, yeah. Double that was the article I wrote, right? Yeah. And if I looked at it, and I did this, I don't even, my math usually isn't that good. I was having a good math day. If you extrapolate the numbers in, in games, he did play a lot. He was really good last year, too. He just didn't play many minutes that many times. This is another... <laughs> maybe this is a book thing. Is this, this is like the Jared yeah. Bayless effect. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. Well, I mean, it makes sense on the general... Jared Bayless was weirdly specific because Jared Bayless is an enigma. But, I mean, most guys, if you play them 25 minutes a game, they'll be better than if you play them 12 because they have more time to get into the rhythm. I think that's just. I mean, unless they're really bad, then they'll get exposed more. But like an average player, I would say is better played 25 minutes than 12 minutes. Not even just raw numbers, because obviously they'll put up more numbers. But like per 36s and shooting percentages, I would wager it goes up. With Henson, do you like? I mean, it was generally shocking to see Henson score more than 20 points. Is that something we could see repeated at all, really, throughout the season? I do, and I just want to hop on this before I forget. Just because he's going to be... I think I don't think it's unfair or it's really Homer-ish. And I'm not really that much of a Homer guy, honestly. To say that Henson is probably a starting quality center in the NBA. 
Oh, even I, if he's, I totally even if even if it's average, I think it'd be slightly above average. He's still young. I think he's a starting quality guy, and I think he's going to be going against backups all the time because he's the backup center. So I think John Henson against ba- like look at the Nets who are in this conference. Their backup center is Barnani. Do I think Henson could put up 20-plus points in 20 minutes against Bargnani caliber players? And that's an extreme example, but yes. And I think you'll see guys like that a lot. I mean, injuries to other team centers or just teams thin at center. I mean, I think John Henson's going to feast this year, and it's going to be a, a good four years for him to springboard into his next contract because he's going to be going up against all these backups for as long as Monroe's there. And even if he's going up against starters, they're going to be tired. Because we've all seen Greg Monroe play. He's like a battering ram. My God, I would not want to cover that guy. He's so big and strong. So, yeah, I think John Henson's perfect position. Like, I don't know if 20 is, is a mark you can get to no, get. But I, I, do think, I do think he's going to score more this season. And the biggest reason right now is, let's talk about John Henson's free throw shooting. Oh, yeah. John Henson is currently shooting 85.7% from the free throw line. There you go. To put that in perspective, his first three seasons in the league, 53.3%, percent 51.4%, 56.9%. Obviously, we're working off a three-game sample size, which is minuscule <laughs> with Henson. But if he could keep that up, or keep, let's say above 70%, that's significant, because he's a guy who can draw fouls. Oh, yeah. He's too... Um, just... A little bit of just one. Cur- I didn't mean he's gonna average twenty points a game. No, no, I know that. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, he'll, I mean, he'll be able to score that. Like there'll be games where he's John Henson. He only takes like two shots and scores eight points. But there'll be games when he scores like twenty-five too. I did report. This is me reporting. This off-season, I believe it was on a pod that he was taking threes in a practice and his shot looked better. I think there's a correlation between that and the free throws. I think he did work on shooting a lot this offseason. And I think it's... Is this is this Bucks staff, like, the best at player development ever? Like, if you look at multiple positions right now that have gotten crazy better? I don't want to say it because I feel like I've said it too much in this podcast, but no, I think that's the Hawks. I mean, the Bucks have no, gotten I'm... less of a start, but their development has been really good. I Yeah, I think... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think the Hawks of two years ago, which was part of the reason why the Jazz are so scary defensively and so much else come from, was because Quinn Snyder was like, uh, every player who played under him was like, he's the best development guy ever. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you had guys like Kenny Atkinson who's still great around them. I uh, that was that was a pretty good group, but it's oh, right up there. Don't, you can't forget about you can't forget about OKC. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that's an interesting one, though. I think OKC draft their talent. Like, I don't yeah. know how much development. Obviously, it's needed, but Harden, Durant, Westbrook, those sort of guys develop anyway. And it maybe a chosen, say, someone like Reggie Jackson. I was just going to say... Ibaka. They do weird they, things in development, though. The thing with Ibaka, though, is Ibaka has... You know, here's a Yanis comparison. People Sorry. won't like it right now, but that's a Yanis comparison because that's a realistic one, as in a player who came to the game at the high level late and is raw in that sort of aspect of his game. 
Yeah, that's I'm just strictly that way. Like, he could... I, I still see his development as sort of a natural thing. So, I don't... Giannis? No, Ibaka. Oh, I don't, I don't I think didn't... there's a... I don't think there's a whole lot of work bar sort of embedding fundamentals because that guy was so raw. You just had to sort of shape him to understand yeah. basketball and then the natural abilities took over. Just so everyone knows, Adam's strictly making the comparison in the developmental. Obviously, Serge Ibaka is not the kind of athletic freak Giannis is. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's what you're saying. Yeah, no, I am, but he's he's an underrated athlete. I mean, I'm not... No, I'm not saying he's a bad athlete. They're, they're, they're yeah. very different players. I mean... Yeah. I mean... I just, I'm worried people player. are going to listen to this and they're going to think that you're saying that they look alike on the on the court or something. Uh, if people think that, that's up to them. I mean, you know, people people are trolls, Adam. You have to make sure of these things. Everyone's a troll on the internet. It's great because these things, the, the Nick Batum one is one of my favorites because this has become a thing. This actually happened with Ty earlier in the week. We were talking about article ideas and Ty said. Something to the actually, uh, it was an article Ty had written, and he had mentioned mentions of Nick Batum and Yanis. I'm like, Ty, that was Jordan on a podcast. Yeah. I, and if, yeah, if, it was, if it was only Ty, Mike had said the same last week. Everyone got upset about Jordan's mention of Nick Batum, which I'm all on board on as well. So people get upset. Nick Batum, Serge Ibaka, Yanis will be whatever Yanis wants to be. So, so my favorite, my favorite Yanis comparison, and I just want to plug it real quick because I thought it was actually really cool. Was uh, Alex Boder, the 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 Bucks writer, the actual Bucks writer, I think the only one. He had the Scottie Pippen, and I really like that one because I think that is his ceiling, his true ceiling after this year we've seen, which is obviously crazy high, but I think it's possible considering Giannis is 20, and the numbers do really do line up pretty close. Just to throw that out there, nice article, Alex. I liked it. Scotty Pippen would be sort of a nice, a nice thing to happen, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scotty Pippen. Uh, that, MJ, that, MJ that, never, might, that might work out okay. MJ uh, Pippen never. Uh, MJ never won a ring without Pippen. Yeah. Fun fact. Pippen never won without MJ. Yeah. That was a nice, neat little circle, which really made yeah. no one needed to say anything there. Jordan could have left it and it's tell you what it's like. Fucking... You just hear a door shutting. <laughs> I want that. Let's move to center. Um, when I say let's move to center, let's Wait, talk about Greg Monroe because, I mean, if, if Henson isn't injured, Plumlee's not seeing the floor. That's the way I see it. Yeah, well, oh, I now, now I, Jordan, you don't need to get so vocal because <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to forget. <laughs> Just because I said we won't talk about Miles Plumley doesn't mean that we won't check in for our weekly Miles Plumley game. I haven't been keeping up all week, but I know in the last game it was one foul and no points. So that wasn't a good entry, I don't think. See, he has a tactical foul that doesn't... Yeah, I don't know what... It, what I think that should count. I mean, if we have to keep track of his technicals all season. This is going to get messy. Really? Um, How many technicals is Hey, I'm committed. I'm committed. <laughs> okay. okay, Jordan, this is your job then to remember them. So, oh, yeah. as of right now, Miles Plumley has 18 points this season. 
13 personal fouls, one tech, so 14 fouls, we call it. He's getting up there. We're close. If he does a flagrant, should we count it as two fouls? No, we can't. We can't skew the numbers like that. Okay, yeah, you're what right. People be, keeping track of this would be upset. What will be will be. Um, it's... Case Rasterah. Miles yeah. Plumlee's going to foul a lot. Fouls <laughs> yeah. versus points. That's actually what they say right after that in French in the song. He literally has... I mean, think about it. Obviously, you could go down to it, but... Two point two points equals one basket. He has nine baskets and thirteen fouls. That's horrible. <laughs> I'm so... I, I, love, I love that this upsets Jordan so much that we had to make a segment on the podcast for it. Oh, Miles yeah. Miles Plumley's like the anti JLB because I really like Miles Plumley last year and he was better than this. And I don't. You're know not alone though. That's just crazy. Everybody was like, "See, why are we playing Plumley?" Well, guess what? He was better <laughs> last year. <laughs> He's got arms like battery frames, apparently. So let's let's calm down on Miles Plumlee. I've never they, seen they have, I've never seen Jordan as angry Jordan as this. Really I'm sorry. I just it's it it was one of those things where because it's it always it always goes in tandem with the Henson talk. And maybe I was so pro Henson, but when I hear Miles Plumlee should get more minutes than John Henson, you know I gotta I gotta. I never said that. that. I never said that. That was no, 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 no. I'm not saying you. I'm no, saying I don't know. I'm just, just straight up talk on Twitter. I never said I have, it either. I, I would I only have ever left. Left. Can I interest you guys in some some real estate? <laughs> <laughs> no. Henson Villa is expanding, and I think you two guys are finally ready to move in. I know Jordan. <laughs> I, I've been I've been scouting. Okay, I'll mark you down as a maybe. I'm like going to. I'm going to uh, right, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do centers now. I'm going to do centers now. Centers goes something like this. Greg Monroe has been phenomenal. Right? He's been yeah. great. Let's move on from centers. Okay. I don't, I don't have anything else to say. We don't need to... Greg Monroe has been incredible. He's been did I, as good... I did my Greg Monroe stats thing already, didn't I? Um... If you didn't, they can check it out in the article anyway. Yeah, I'll just it's in, it's there's a it's crazy how involved he is. You can check out my latest as of right now, but not as of tomorrow article where I talk about that. Now we're nearly at the end of this week's podcast. The four-hour edition. <laughs> what we'll do first? Let's let's go through the predictions. Oh, I forgot we do this. We do this. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> where? Uh, okay, yeah, I found it. I thought I thought I'd lost it. Nobody panic. I found it. The leaderboard to date. Number one is a controversial one. I found it last week. I'm starting to come around to that way of thinking because the points. Oh, is it Aaron? No, Aaron does do it. It's it's Mike Hal. Oh, Mike Helm. in his pre-game previews, which. I know people say he gets to do it the day before the game, so it's an advantage. It clearly is. Uh, he's getting them pretty close. I mean, That's, yeah. like, it's, it's, like inside so, it's not that much of an advantage. You still have to call the correct margin of victory. Yeah, but like after we all saw the Knicks game, Adam and I were messaging, and we were both like, yeah, I would change all of my picks based on that game from week one, the first game. No, I'll give I'll give credit where it's due. Mike's been doing really well. Mike's on the same record as me and you, Ty, so he's just doing it much more accurately. 
Mike is in first place with a record of 5-2 and two and a differential of 65 points. In second place is actually Ty Windish. I thought you were in second. Yeah, so did I. Then I did some maths. Okay. Um, okay. 5-2 again, 88-point differential. All the ragging you gave me before we started recording about how bad I'd been. That didn't happen. No one heard it. Uh, in third place <laughs> is me, five and two, ninety-one point differential. Ooh, I made a three to get the win. Then we have Jordan Tresky, a four and three, with an eighty-nine point differential. And bring up the rear. Today's absentee, Mike Gartland, four and three, ninety-nine point differential. Good week for Mike. Um, he is not being completely insane with his books predictions paid off um, and he closed the gap quickly let's not even do a big breakdown but Celtics yeah. outcome prediction Bucks by four Jordan Bucks 103 Celtics 91 oh Bucks by eight Look at you. Twelve. When Tali says that maths aren't a strong suit, he really Yeah, this may this is not a good math day for him. <laughs> yeah, we can just not talk about that anymore. Adam, what do you got the game at? Um I'm gonna go Celtics by three. What was that, Bill Simmons? I don't like the Celtics at all. I mean, I don't. I don't think there's much about their team. Um, I'm just you not. You don't buy into a team that has Isaiah Thomas as their best player off the bench. Isaiah Thomas is probably going to torch the books. So make fun of him at your peril. It's. I just. I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. Um, Celtics by three, and I really hope I'm wrong. Nuggets. Is this, I'm sorry, is this in Denver or Milwaukee? Denver. Oh, is it really? It's a weird back-to-back. Oh, that kind of changes how I had this whole that's, week going. That's a, that's a crazy back-to-back. That's the, that's the biggest home field advantage in any sport is in Denver. On the other side of that coin, the Nuggets are terrible. They are, but who did, didn't they just beat, like, the Rockets? Like they, they, they beat the Rockets on opening okay. night, though, didn't they? They haven't played them yet. No. I, thought it was, was it, I thought it was like the second game. I don't know. They beat the Rockets. They can do things. Oh, this is going to throw off. I had Bucks beating the Celtics barely and then getting momentum. But I don't think they're going to beat the Nuggets. They have beaten the Celtics by four. <laughs> That's barely. Oh, it tasted badly. Okay. No, barely. Okay. No, it was like a, a surge win. Like, oh, yeah, we can beat good teams. Let's go beat these other teams. Celtics, wow. They're better than them on the standings, man. That's all that matters right now. You gotta just look up and beat everybody. Well, you gotta beat everybody, but you really gotta beat teams in front of you. No good predictions, I. Bucks by one on a buzzer beater. Mm. I'm not gonna say. I'm not Jordan, gonna that say. That was Jordan loving the specific predictions. Jordan is a fan of specifics. I like specificity. I can't say it. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> if, I, if, I, 
If I had to, if I had to change any of my picks all year, it might be the Boston one because I wouldn't be surprised if they rested guys to have them for Denver. Because I think Denver is seen as a more winnable game. But never mind. Go on, Jordan. Ninety-six bucks, eighty-seven nuggets. Monroe has a field day. He gets a double double. Big I, th- time. I thought Mike wasn't on this podcast. Hey. I don't think that's that means. Hey, Jonathan Laverne is going to have to guard Greg, Le- Greg Monroe. Greg I'm Monroe. Just, be... just looking at these big margins of victory. So we've got a 12 point win followed by a 9 point win the next night. My combined are less than his average. They beat the Knicks and Nets pretty handily. I'm going. Oh wow! They beat D League teams. I'm going books by five. Hey, <laughs> Cleveland. I'm surprised. I'm surprised we all picked books in that one. Cleveland, I. Is this at home? Yeah. yeah. I'm just Jordan. You go, please. It's a loss. Um. Go Cleveland by eleven, but I think it's gonna be a close game, and then it gets out of hand. I think so too. I'm gonna say Bucks by ten. Oh, I don't believe in early Cleveland. I really don't. They're really super thin at guard. Have you seen the record? They have looked good though. Yeah. Seen their record. <laughs> I'm going Cavs by nine. I want to just pull up. I want to see who they played. Because I know they lost. They played Philly twice. That is true. They lost to the Bulls at least once. Who have the Bucks played? This well, is a thing great. for this is a thing for a lot of Eastern Conference teams right now. So yeah, I don't. I don't think the Bucks are good because of who they played. Yeah, like they beat the the Grizzlies, the 76ers, the Knicks, the 76ers, and the Pacers. With how the Grizzlies started the season, they only scored 76 points in that game. I mean, they, they haven't allowed me yet. That's fair. I do think. I oh, they beat, the, they beat the Heat. They beat the Heat. They beat the Heat. That's a pretty good team. Mailbag. First question this week's mailbag comes from at J Gideon seventy three. Is that new blood? Yeah, I think so. Welcome to the mailbag, J Gideon seventy three. J Gideon seventy three points out that he read an article today um, that oh, highlighted Milwaukee as a potential destination for. Derek Rose, if you were to leave it, the agency. Oh. The article that he's referring to. It was by Brian Toprek. It was on Hardwood Paroxysm today. Oh, okay. Um, our, our friends over at HP. If you say so. We're on the same network, aren't we? We are on the same network. Yeah, those are our friends. I wasn't saying they weren't our friends. Just yeah, well, you know, it, sound like it might be news to them that they're our friends. They, they are. They need to know if they don't know. <laughs> they they don't want to know. If you don't know, Basically, now you know. 
it's put down as let me let me finish the end of the question. He wants us to share our thoughts on that idea. He doesn't like it himself. I'm um, so I'm just gonna very quickly read what what's proposed why this would happen. So why Rose would fit with the books? With Jabari Parker, Chris Middleton, Yanis, and Greg Monroe on the fold, the books are overflowing with young talent. MCW will be a restricted free agent in 2017, assuming the books don't sign into a contract extension next offseason. So point guard could be a legitimate position in need. Jason Kidd, one of the league's best point guards in recent memory, could impart his wisdom upon Rose, especially when it comes to the development oh of the shooting show. I feel like I've got deja vu there. Um, was there not someone else that... Ricky Rubio. No, Michael Carter-Williams. This is exactly the reason. No, here's the thing. Here's, that's, not, that's not... I'm toying on this because I know it's. it would be dumb. Right? Ty, Ty wanted to write an article on this the other day. I did. I, I, just oh. did, I didn't want to have it as public information when I thought on this, but it's going to be now. I, it's dumb. Like I know it's dumb. I know it wouldn't be a good fit. He's getting paid way too much for. I don't know what we're matching salaries for Derrick Rose. He's making twenty million dollars a year. So I don't know where that money's coming from, but we'll just pretend that we can make it work. Off top, I, I literally don't know. OJ Mayo would have to be in. I don't know who else makes uh, enough. Th- I'm gonna say this article is talking about 2017 as a free agent. Oh, I thought it was a trade. No, this this article is 2017. Oh, that makes a lot more sense because yeah, they couldn't trade for him. Well, in 2017, I'll give you reason number one why it shouldn't happen in 2017 is because the book's priority should be on paying countless other guys the money that Derrick Rose would take up in 2017. I know why it's not going to happen in 20 because they're going to sign Mike Conley in 2016. We're all forgetting that. Duh. Mike Conley's going to be around by now. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, I will. I'm going to splash too. Uh, what do people make fun of MCW for? Not being able to shoot. What do? What does Derrick Rose have in common? He really can't shoot. He's a 30% three-point shooter. Here's my, here's my the only thing. Deliberate, deliberate pace, Jordan, is really yeah. sort of... I mean, it's so ominous. I like feeding into that. That was I fun did, for me. I didn't I know what was coming there. This is a dark, sarcastic Jordan. I mean, yeah. Miles, Miles Plumley has brought out a side in Jordan that no one wants to see. It just, it pains, it really, when I see hot point guard takes about the Bucks, including the Bucks, because there, there was an article about Ricky Rubio coming the Bucks before the season started. And I saw that, and it's, it, the, it all comes down. There's a common denominator in every solution to the point guard, except Jason Mike Conley. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Jason can't can fix everything. Yeah. Like okay. So these are terrible three-point shooters that are still coming to a team that they always say is as a terrible. Yeah. This is the problem I have is if people want to link the books and if the books aside, Michael Carter Williams is the way and they're going to move on. Well. How about they get a point guard that they know is good, they know is healthy, and they know can help the team in the ways they need to be helped? Why, why move on from one project for another player who may make the team a project again? Like it makes no sense. Stylistically, at least, has to be different. I mean, if you look at the way the books roster is now, the difference between Grievous Vasquez to Michael Carter Williams in terms of style. 
that's the same thing that needs to be applied in terms of finding whatever direction they want the starting point card to go in. Whether it's either of those guys, neither of those guys, which could well be the case. There are certain styles you choose your point guard in. There's no point the books just continuously choosing guys who can't shoot, aren't going to make the team better, really. So I don't get any of it. Yeah, I, get I, why, I get why it's worth talking about, because Rose oh, yeah. is still a big name. I mean, the books have question marks over point guard. Anyone doing that article, it's remiss not to mention the books. But, mm. like... The, pro- the, the They always think the solution to the problem is... Rose is a better profile day, but it's, he still has the same problem as what the team already has. It's not fixated. Like, I think what makes the books better than the Bulls teams who fell short with Rose at his prime, and you're not even getting Rose at his prime, and it's like, I mean, there's sort of a, a counterbalance between, say, where Yanis is to where Rose used to be. It's just, it doesn't do anything. It's completely pointless. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm so. the one the one point guard I'm surprised who has like he's probably besides Rose is like the number one rumored to be traded guy. I have not heard a peep about him coming to the Bucks. And I, I'm not I don't think it's a terrible idea, but I'm not suggesting it as either right now. How come no one thinks we're gonna get Mario Chalmers? Before everyone you guys got I, oh, No, I wrote about that last uh Did you? the end of last season it. coming into free agency and around that time. It was around like the time we were all on the McBob train, yeah. and I was I was like the Heat had players like and they were so desperate to get rid of Chalmers. I was I was fully sort of in on that. I'm not now that they got Vasquez, and I still believe Vasquez will turn out better. I mean, it's but, it was, yeah, it's, he's a good point guard for someone to pick up. It's an extreme example, but it's true. Mario Chalmers is a championship winning starting point guard. That definitively answers the question, if you have the right core and a whole at point guard, can you plug in Mario Chalmers? Yes. Does he do a whole lot? Maybe not. But he's good enough to start on a championship team. He's got a ton of playoff experience. I just checked. He's a 36% career three-point shooter. For a team with guys who can initiate offense like Giannis and to a little lesser degree Chris Middleton and other bench guys, I think having Mario Chalmers around wouldn't be the worst thing. If they do decide to move on from MCW, I, I, I think out of all the trade targets, I mean, besides Mike Conley, which I really don't think is going to happen, but I'll take him. Mario Chalmers is pretty good. He's pretty cheap, and he's very obtainable. Yeah, I, I think I've... Yeah, I don't know. I've got I've got like books point guard fatigue unless like yeah. like Conley is one of the few guys who like if that situation which once again I think is completely fantastical but if that was to arise I'd be like great. But I mean if you're not getting Mike Conley, you're not getting Chris Paul. If you're not getting a guy who has a completely different skill set to what you've got already is proven to be a certain type of player and to excel in a certain way. Don't don't touch it. I mean, if you're not getting a guy who's an efficient playmaker, who's gonna make shots as well, it's it's not a fit for the books. Why change from what they have? Yeah, I'd be excited if they got the Alaskan point guard Mario Chalmers. That's good to know. Would, We'd be excited just, for just, you. Just got a reaction. If you guys saw that they moved on from MCW and Mario Chalmers was the replacement for now, 
I'd maybe hate not. It. I'd absolutely hate it? hate it. I'd hate it. I would too. I, I, Chalmers has no like. We can still talk about MCW's potential. I mean, I'd want, I'd want, I'd want, I'd want first round picks. I'd want something crazy for that. I just, but like, I'm not sold on MCW, that. but you said yourself, Giannis might be ahead of schedule. This team might be ready to start seriously winning games. But next why season. then? But why not stick with Michael Carter Williams then? He might not be ready to start winning games next season or the season after. But if Giannis is so far ahead of schedule that he can win with Mario Chalmers, I mean, I mean, Mario Chalmers is a two-time championship-winning point guard. He's a two-time championship-winning point guard who didn't handle the ball, and I say that as someone who actually likes Mario Chalmers, thinks he can handle the ball. But in those examples, I mean, LeBron was the guy who handled the ball. So unless we plan on turning it over to Giannis, like the Cavs did with LeBron, and I know there's plenty of advocates for that. Personally, I hate that idea. No, I'm not. I think you can. I think Chalmers can handle the ball enough. I think if they have Mario Chalmers, suddenly they have four guys who can all shoot the three very well, and that opens up crazy amounts of things for the offense. But I've, maybe Jabari's not very well. And then there's like no defense at point guard anymore. How many teams are winning championships with score first point guards besides the Warriors? That question's like completely knocked me off balance. Um, how many teams are winning championships without score first no, point guards? With, with score first point guards. They don't win that often. Wait, what? I can't think of many teams that have won with defensive point guards, which is the crazy thing. Defensive point guards get you deep, but then. I don't know, you're completely confused me because that's like the opposite of your point. Yeah. Like a, a recent I'm memory, saying, you're talking Chalmers, you're talking Tony Parker. They are offensive first point guards. Well, they're not. They're not first or second option point guards. Okay, so you're talking about with the point guard being the guy. Yeah, I'm saying you're not going to see oh. aside from the Warriors, you're not going to be that hurt by not having a great defensive point guard. It depends on what way the team wants to go with its identity. Like I don't. Uh, that's if it was Chalmers, honestly, I'd want a first round pick and I'd want that was a good first round pick too. To take him? For Michael Carter Williams right now. I didn't well, say it was a straight up trade. But that's there needs to be some seriously good pieces in with it. I mean, I I'd be nowhere near ready to quit on Michael Carter Williams. Oh, did you think I was saying trade Michael Carter Williams for Mario Chalmers? What else were you saying? Yeah, no, I said, I said if they were going to move on from Michael Carter-Williams, then replacing oh. him with Mario Chalmers. I didn't mean a one-for-one -one trade between the two. That would be stupid. I'd, well, if that's the case, then I'd be like, why? <laughs> Where's no. the money gone? Why aren't they paying? I don't know. I don't, I don't like that idea either way. I thought it was a trade. If it's not a trade, then a little bit easier to understand, but... No, the scenario is like if they're about like if the the other pieces are working out really well, and Michael Carter Williams isn't, and they deal him for like a pick back to Philly or something crazy, and then they give up like a second round pick to take Mario Chalmers' salary away from the Heat. See, I don't think Michael Carter Williams is enough of a. I know he's got a high usage rate, but it doesn't feel like he 
forces himself on the game always quite in the same way to say like I think something that could become a legitimate problem for the Rockets and everyone's like Ty Lawson going there is great Patrick Beverly had his role knew his role and did exactly what they needed and that's what worked for them like, yeah, I, I, know that, I know that's what you're saying Mario Chalmers could be that guy I just don't understand why MCW can't be that guy either uh, three point shooting is the only thing between the two but I think I'd still go you know what I'll take Lesser three-point shooting for MCW's defense and its rebounding, and probably his passing as well. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sold either way on MCW. I wouldn't hate if the I'm not. No, I'm not them. either. I'm. I'm not yeah. either. I wouldn't like them to get rid of him just yet because I, I still think yeah. they could regret it. Like the Sixers should never got rid of him. Let's be honest. Everyone's reaction was, "What are you doing? Why you're rebuilding and then you're getting rid of him?" And like, I mean. I don't know. I'd I'd like to see Michael Carter Williams given the chance. It's different. If next summer, if they could actually get Mike Conley, that's fine. If you got Mike Conley, you get a guy who's a proven all-star caliber point guard, whether he's been an all-star or not. I'm all for that. But in the meantime, Michael Carter Williams is your guy. Let him have his chance. Let him develop and see where that goes. Mike Conley should come to the East, if only because he'll never, ever get all-star nod in the West. He doesn't have the numbers. He doesn't. Mike Conley doesn't. He doesn't sort of seem like an all-star. I know he doesn't. He, I he know doesn't. He care. doesn't. He doesn't. I know he doesn't. He care. plays for Memphis. I mean, that, that's that's a selfless team, and I don't think that's a made-up thing. That's that's that team's identity. I mean, he doesn't care. Next question. <laughs> we'll do this one very quickly because we'll talk a bit on the last one. These are two questions from a pencil two two nine two. Who'd have guessed it? First one is, what's been most surprising to you about our new recruits, Monroe and Vasquez? Uh, I have a feeling we could have the same answer for this one. Most surprising with the new recruits to me is Vasquez's terrible shooting so far. Yeah, and Monroe's all-around pretty good play. Yeah. Uh, copy that. <laughs> the next question from Pencil. Has Jabari's... Re- has Jabari returned as you thought he would, or were you expecting more? I think this is an interesting one for a couple of reasons. One, the the immediate sort of answer that I'd give to that is, yeah, I was expecting more, um, which is completely stupid, it's unrealistic, and it's not fair, but just sort of inbuilt to me what I was sort of expecting. Just a little bit more. Um, yeah, I really was. I don't know. Wow. It does. It's irrational. It doesn't make sense. But... I... He showed so much towards the end of that that I just did expect more than sort of his really low points, Tannies. I talked myself down, so I'm I'm really happy with what I've seen. Like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I, I, I did expect more, but I wouldn't have been... If he had been doing more, it wouldn't have mattered compared to what he's doing now. What matters is his health is good and stays consistently good throughout his way of working himself back to game time. Well, Matt is... The, all I needed to see, I saw all I needed to see, was the Giannis to Jabari dunk that one game. And I was like, alright, we're going to be seeing this a lot over the next 10 years, question mark. I'll, I'll take that for now. Get some more rest, Jabari. Don't, don't overexert yourself. I think there was, a couple, there was a couple little dunks he did where it was like, I'll just show everybody a quick flash as I gain my sea legs, or my hardwood legs, I guess, 
under me. Just so everyone remembers, yep, I can dunk really, really hard on people. I'm going to go rest now. I don't yeah. think you could ask too much more. I'm, I'm happy with it. He's looked good defensively, too. Like He is... I'm not saying he's a, uh, a true defensive stopper, but he does make it harder for guys to score because he is so athletic and he... I wouldn't say he's incredibly quick, but he, especially now that, you know, knowing how the scheme works and stuff like that, I think he's feels more comfortable in it than how he was last year, even before his, uh, obviously, the ACL stuff. So I think that's helped him. Obviously, offensively, you want him to make a more of an impact that he has, but it's three games, and he's only, the most he's played is 24 minutes, so it's, I mean... It's it's really hard to have much more than or much more of an impact than kind of a uh, more than a six a player. Yeah, exactly. I guess the thing has he played three or four? Three. Three. Well, I think the, the, the thing for yeah. our, the thing for me right now is maybe I expect some more from him because I didn't expect him to be playing twenty four minutes and relative to that, if he's ready to play that much and it came out and he won't be playing back to backs and then played him in the very first back to back playing. That's like, how bad Copeland has been. That's what I think. I don't That's think anyone would be that bad. I think you punt on a I lot think it's more, I think it's more how encouraged they are from him though. Yeah, I don't know how comfortable I feel with them adjusting their expectations for his recovery. Yeah, just I don't, I don't like it at all. Not after the, the Kevin Durant horror story. From last season. Well, that, uh, that I don't. I don't think we're in that place at all. But you just don't mess with it. You can't expect Buck fans to not be worried about that kind of thing. You can't. When you have a superstar and he's not right now, but he's expected to be, caliber player like Jabari, and you see this Kevin Durant thing or these Derrick Rose things, you just go, okay, let's just be real easy with it. Let's just not play any back-to-backs for a while. This I suppose season. the other side of it, though, is the di- and the Durant one, the difference is that's an injury where impact is going to affect it, and that's impact of even just basically him jumping and having his feet come back down and hit the hardwood. Yeah. But the Derrick Rose one, maybe because we've all seen Derrick Rose take it both ways nearly, and it's gone wrong. Like, I mean, that's an ACL. That's something that can happen. It just, I don't know. They they had to go one way or another. I'm just not sure I'm sold were, on this. If they were expected to play full-time right after they came back from injury, <clears throat> where Jabari, he has a minutes limit. Yeah, the back-to-back thing was kind of like, oh, what, you know. Another thing Kid has said that was going to happen that didn't happen, but He's played probably collectively, what was it, 24 minutes, and the, the, the day before he played 17 or something like that against the Knicks. That's probably the workload for both Rose and Durant in one game. So, I, I mean, I get the I get the kind of cautionary, kind of just, you know, want to play it safe, but I don't know. I think he's just, he just looks, it's hard, he doesn't look rusty Physically, I think he looks rusty in a ba- in more basketball sense than anything. But physically, I don't think you could say that he looks like a guy that just returned from an ACL injury. No, I mean, I thought I if thought he was coming back. 
I, I thought he was going to play the first preseason game. He looks so good in the scrimmages. I don't think it's yeah. – I think it just – I think there is. I mean, especially for essentially a rookie. He played, what, 25 games his rookie year? Mm-hmm. So he's still in his first 50 games at this point. I mean, even if he wasn't hurt, it takes a guy in his first 50 games a while to get acclimated to NBA basketball. You, you start yeah. him at 25, then he takes a full – nearly a full year off and come back. People are, for some reason, a lot of expectations are that Jabari is ready to step in and like be the Bucks' prime scorer. Like, he's essentially a slowed down version of a rookie. That's what that's what I think the expectations should be. I mean, he's still played under 30 NBA games. He hasn't played any real basketball for a year. Well, now he's played a couple games, three games, whatever. I like. I just think he just needs to stay out there more. I don't think we're gonna see. Real good Jabari until he's 25 games in again, and with, that's still not you know obviously peak Jabari. We won't see that for years, but I mean the fact that he's even out there playing and showing flashes, I think to me is just awesome. Yeah, and they don't need him to be that guy straight away. So I mean that's no. like the Monroe that's, signing that's takes that pressure off. Yeah, and apparently honest, which none of us expected. Then you've still got Middleton. You've still got Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah. Hanson off the bench. All these good problems are still there. Yeah. Good question from the best writing utensil out there. Oh, God. I thought we'd finish with that. No. Never. Hashtag. Oh, my God. Utensil, yes. Utensil, no. No, no. Books, mailbag, yes. (laughs) Books mailbag no. Oh no, this I is, forgot to put it on I forgot to put it on Reddit this week. This is if you know the identity of Books Mailbag. The oh. the Twitter account who last week just appeared out of nowhere to bombard us with questions. This week has gone A well. Thought it might have been pencil. Pencil is adamantly denying it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing's endgame is hey, I gotta throw him out the set. No, I I believe him. If if that was his end game, he would have probably asked questions off both accounts this week. He did, I got it. Adam was on him last week. That's why he's throwing out the sand. I was on That's... him. I was on him again this week. But I'll I'll show you. I'll show you what sent me his way. Because last last week when I questioned the true origin of Apoch's mailbag, <laughs> the response I got was someone or in brackets something who asks really good questions and enjoys your podcast. Hmm. I don't... Maybe he's a fan of good uh, podcast questions. Are we dealing with some sort of Frankenstein? <laughs> maybe it is a something, yeah. Maybe that something. was... I'm more of the something category. <laughs> I like to think it's like... It's like, say, her. And some computer. <laughs> Really likes listening to our podcast, and it is actually a something. Sentient it's the, it's, it's maybe a it's sentient being. Maybe it's the jasonkid.com ghost Hashtag sentient being yes. <laughs> Hashtag sentient being no. I'm really sad I forgot to ask for mailbag yeah, questions. Oh yeah. I, I mean, already. I mean, I don't mind still talking. That was the perfect ending. All we need to know oh, is. Oh, that was the last sentient- question. It being yes, it's being no. That's it. Oh. oh. Sorry. I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't get the ending vibe at all from that. Yeah. 
Well, I did. I was about, I was about to wrap up. You weren't shooting off the vibes. I didn't get those Netflix and chill eyes or anything. That is exactly the sort of note that we just cut short what Ty is saying. And just, we might come back next week. I don't know if anyone wants us to. Um, People listen to the whole thing. I love you people. I don't know how you do it. I don't know if I could do it. We appreciate our fans, the fact that they exist at all. Adam you, can barely make it through the whole thing, and he's a part of the podcast, and he he always looks just fatigued at the end. Like, how did I listen to Ty? The four Ty. the four thirty a.m. part of that does have a factor, I but I don't think it's I don't think it's just, I think it's just oh I listen to Ty talk for two and a half hours tonight. I don't. <laughs> There's a little know. bit of that. You you have you have my respect, people. You're you've listened to him for two and a half hours though, so I'm gonna cut him short now. You don't okay. have to listen to any more Ty Windish till next week, everyone. It's it's okay. It's safe to come back outside. Thanks very much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, read all of our articles on site. If you don't follow us already on Twitter, you probably do, otherwise you're likely to be listening to this. Make sure to follow us, spread the word. Like our Facebook page. I think that's pretty much it. Don't, don't think we have any more social platforms for right now. Don't forget uh, our 19 new hashtags. There's a lot of hashtags to do. Get, get started on it. Talk to you next week, Ty. Talk to you next week, George. Bye.